Let's do it live. <laughs> Sorry, Zev. Yeah, yeah. We warned you ahead of time. Did you go on? TGIM, yes. All right. Give me one second, guys. Let me just bear with me for a second. I'm just going to go live here with someone's phone. And then we're going to go here. We're just disinfecting the uh, studio real quick. <laughs> I brought my own disinfectant. You did, actually. <laughs> live with the hashtag wise nuts how's that sound guys great let me just do this really quickly happy monday guys happy monday tgim how you doing buddy you, you get over there i'm sorry what <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh uh happy monday guys today's uh March 16th, 2020. Hopefully these videos are will be up in the next week or two with this whole coronavirus thing going on. But uh, before we get started, uh, as a lot of you can see, uh, Edgar's not here with us. Um, Edgar's grandfather passed away uh, late last week. Um, and uh, he's with family right now. So from all the wise nuts, from Sevon, from every, every all of our watchers, mm. uh, Ed John, we send our condolences to your family. Um, I know it's a tough time for you guys. Your grandfather was actually a, a great man, great, great man, hard worker. Um, I mean, smiles always on his face, a jokester. Uh, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be tough, but uh, you know, he left a lot of great memories, a lot of great memories. So, um, to the entire Ismailian family, um, <clears throat> we wish you guys the best. Um, our condolences to you, and um, you know. Look, the man, from what I didn't know his grandfather yeah. personally, but I, uh, from what I've some of the videos I've seen him singing and smiling, yeah, looked like he he lived a uh, beautiful life with family, you know, kids and grandkids. So I would say celebrate his life. Eighty-seven is a uh, mm. great age to go. Yeah. Plus, he doesn't get to experience all this stupidity now that's yeah. going no. on. Yeah, so. he he saw he saw how many great grandkids he saw. One, two, three, four. Five. I think I think six or seven great grandkids. Wow, nice. So I mean, uh, the man lived a very, very long life, uh, and he was. You know what? Uh, my my parents were even telling me. You know, uh, till his, you know, the last days of his life, he was still positive. Yeah, still positive. So, uh, again, our condolences to the entire Ismaili family. Um, hope you guys get through this, and uh, we'll see Ed hopefully next week. Yeah, no promises, but we'll see him very yeah, soon. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, that being said, um, you know the show must go on. Yes, the show must go on. Uh, we have our special guest today, Mr. Sevan Gorgian, right? Close, Gorgian. Gorginian. Gorginian. See, I, I you confirmed it nine times, yeah. and you still Gorginian. Gorginian. Yeah, Gorginian. Gorginian. Yeah, is it Gorginian? No, is no, it? No, I was like, <laughs> you know what it is, bro. The Armenian, <laughs> the Armenian language is so butchered. Like right. I, I, at this point, it's like with even with my clients, they go. Uh, so how do you pronounce your last name again? I go, Hakverdian. Listen, it's like I butcher my own last name, so don't even worry about it. Gorginian. That's right. There we go. Thank you. Mr. Sevan Gorginian, Esquire. Yes, sir. Thank you. Esquire. <laughs> Esquire magazine, or is it? Uh, no, far from that. <laughs> uh, just an attorney. The, the way he said well, it. It's, it's a joke, bro. It's a joke. So uh, is mine. I know it was. Okay. Right. So why are you getting so sensitive? Is the coronavirus <laughs> taking over? I'm so tempted to scratch my face. 
It's you know what it is. You should disinfect. <laughs> There's, 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 so, there's so much. I, we'll, we'll get, to, we'll get to the whole bankruptcy stuff as far as, as uh, yeah. with the attorney thing. But there's so much paranoia going on. It's, it's becoming a joke at this point. Right. Uh, it's people. It's, it's flu season. It's normal. It's kind of like stop watching the news. Stop listening to the media. Get off of social media. And everybody, stop giving your opinions on everything. It's like. People are texting saying, oh my God, did you see uh, another 57 people died in California? It's like, where are you getting this information from? It's like, oh yeah, it's, it's all over the internet. It's like, don't believe everything that's on the internet. Not, not everything is legit. <laughs> it's like, cite the yeah. damn source. <laughs> but guys, toilet paper is not going to help. So stop buying toilet paper. Uh, I actually posted something this this afternoon. I don't know if you guys saw it, that... I was I, I tagged Ralph's Trader Joe's everybody I oh, said yeah. listen yeah I think we should let the elderly people and by elderly I don't mean like 40s 50s guys I mean people that are mm-hmm. really elderly people that are like in their you know late 60s 70s 80s let them in a little you know an hour early let them do their shopping when inventory's in let them get out and then you can go in and buy your toilet paper which right. I have to tell you a couple of stores are starting to do that already a couple of grocery stores uh one of them I got a call from yesterday, uh, grocery outlet in Pas- well, consider Pasadena, Altadena. Mm-hmm. The owner called and said, uh, you know, if w- actually first she called me and said, uh, we can deliver water to your facility, to your senior facility. I said, well, that's very nice of you. Thank you. But, you know, we have a filter and everything's fine. And she goes, by the way, we're also opening the store one hour early for any seniors. Hmm. I said, well, I'm not a senior, but... I do shop for seniors, you know, a couple times a week. She goes, yeah, uh, if you're a senior facility administrator, you can still come in and shop for your seniors. I said, well, that's a, that's a, very, that's a fantastic thing you're doing for the community. Yeah. Um, so I hope others follow. I actually got an email from Ralph's today, too, that they're changing their hours. I, I, most of them are going to be now 8 to 8. So they're trying to close it down earlier to uh, try to give people the opportunity to go back to their families, to be able to restock. And, uh, you know. Right. Originally, they were open <coughs> until 1. And then... Where? The other, uh, Ralph's? Ralph's. Wow. They were open until 1. And then the other day, I was like, you know what? Let me go in at midnight because they're probably restocking. And then I went in at midnight with my with my younger brother. I said, uh, they weren't restocking, unfortunately. I said, um, are you guys restocking tomorrow? He goes, no, no, no. We actually restocked today. And, it, and I'm like, everything's gone, though. He goes, yeah, I know. He's like, we'll be restocking Sunday at midnight. I was like, oh, my gosh, man. I'm like, it's really becoming something where people are just, you know, just overbuying and hoarding stuff. And the worst part is I hope they don't just throw this shit away after. Like, what, what's the point of hoarding, though? I, I don't understand. Cause well, they think it's going to run out or something. I don't know why, but... We're living in the greatest country in the world. Right. If you shop as usual, why is it going to run out? Right? right? If you still go to wherever you I think you they're go. afraid of a lockdown, like what's happening in Italy and what's happening in uh, it, China. Italy, the groceries are not locked down, and the pharmacies are not locked down. You can't lock those two. You know what somebody told me today? They're going to shut down the internet and the banks. I yeah. said... This is the type of nonsense you guys are talking about. They're making stuff and up. That's why people are panicking. How can they possibly? How is the hospital supposed to function without an internet? Can you tell me? Right. A, nothing can operate right. without an internet now. 
No, I, I think every business right now is is run off the internet. Well, forget every business because 95% of businesses are to be shut down. So the 5% that are the healthcare, hospitals, pharmacies, and so on, right? Uh, how do you shut down the internet? Or how do you shut down the internet for people? That's going to just raise it's too many red flags. It's, it's going to be worse. <laughs> people well, are why, gonna... why would you shut down the internet? Like but, to, but to stop the spread of misinformation or something? I don't get it. I think they're unplugging so they could plug in the 5G. That's what everybody else is saying. <laughs> this is the type of yeah. bullshit rumors that, that are making people panic. I think yeah. people need to just sit their ass down, quarantine yourself and your family, stay home, you know, enjoy the time, get to know your spouse because you probably don't know your spouse that well. You're watching too much sports or she's too busy with the kids. Get to know your family a little bit better. There was and that funny meme where it was like, I'm, 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 sitting da- I'm sitting down without sports for about two weeks, and I just realized the woman next to me is my wife. <laughs> yeah, she looks familiar. No, I mean, when I, when I see these pictures um, from my perspective, is I think all these people are charging on their credit cards, obviously. So I think credit consumer spending is going to skyrocket, and I think our economy is kind of uh, not going the right way. So when I see those long lines, I'm like, what are you guys charging on? It's not cash. So I think um, a lot of people next month are going to get a pretty fat bill. And uh, they're like, oh, maybe I didn't need 50,000 uh, right. toilet paper rolls. So. And why toilet paper? I still haven't figured out the psychology uh, behind it. I that. haven't either. I mean, it's like you don't have – it's like, okay, God forbid, you don't. You run out of toilet paper. Do you not have a shower at home? Just Right. right. Or a hose. <laughs> or a hose or something. Just you know. If it was a virus that one of the symptoms or – one of the effects was diarrhea, I would right. maybe understand a little bit. But it's a respiratory virus, not... Yeah. It doesn't attack your intestines. Right. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just well, again, the, the memes are getting funnier and funnier. There was one where it said, I hope there isn't a diarrhea virus. Everybody's going to go out and buy nasal sprays. <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's really, really becoming a joke, and it's really yeah. becoming something where paranoia is taking the best of everybody's minds. I mean, right. it's like, guys, chill out, relax, take it one day at a time. Um, if you're sick, stay home. Don't go out. If you're healthy, if you're fine, if you could work from home, work from home. If not, just kind of relax, take it one day at a time. There, it's not it's not a freaking chemical attack or there's nothing in the air that's going to uh, take away your vision and kill you or whatever it is. It's just, it's it's a... Mutated flu. That's yeah. that's what it is. But you know what the scary part is, though. What it's how quickly the government and the media can pretty much take control over seven and a half billion. Well, I'm not counting the other four billion that don't have access to internet or you know, news. Right. But at least the modern world who does, they literally can take control over. Every single individual within minutes. All they have to do is just some type of code blue, code red. And everybody shuts down like, okay, what do we need to do now? Stay home. Well, Sato says more business for Sevan. Oh, thank you, Sato. Uh, (laughs) But, I mean, I I hope all of this kind of calms down within the next couple weeks or so. Because it's kind of like, it's already becoming more of a, a nuisance than it is... You know, a pandemic. I, I, it's it's just annoying at this point. Look, just seeing the same thing constantly over and over. I've I've re- I refuse to go on social media and look at stuff anymore because everybody's become a doctor apparently. Yeah, and it could get worse before it gets better. But it is. But even 
if you think about the worst, it's, I mean, look at China, look at Italy. It's mm. not going to be any worse than that because, especially here in the U.S., as much as some of you want to blame Trump, he didn't react swiftly enough or whatever you think is the <laughs> proper, uh, you know, method of responding to this. But you have to understand this is a new landscape for the world. There's never been such a thing because even if you talk about the uh, 1920, what was it, the Spanish flu, is that what it was? Yeah. And then prior to that, whatever took place, the communication back then was nowhere near what it is today. Right. Yeah. So the pa level of panic, the level of everything is different. So we don't have the infrastructure to handle this level of panic, which means people just have to kind of, each, each one have to, you have to become the leader of your own family, take control, and stop bitching and whining about every little thing. That's mm. it. Well, Vartan mentioned something. He says, everybody seems to forget the 4,000 people that died daily with a total of 61,000 people uh, that died a couple years ago from the flu. Mm. I mean, more people are dying from the flu. And Dr. Drew said it best. He said, you know, we have more deaths from the flu than we do from, you know, this whole coronavirus <clears throat> thing that's going on. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things is that we don't have a vaccine yet. Yeah. I think that's why, like, flu vaccine we have. Okay, fine. And today was actually the first day of human trial testing for the vaccine. It was a woman in uh, Portland or Seattle. She was the first one <laughs> to get tested for a coronavirus vaccine. So we'll see uh, what happens yeah. to her. Didn't a 103-year-old recover in China from the virus? It was a 98-year-old. No, I read 103. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that one. I saw like a 98-year-old man and a 94-year-old woman. Wow. They both recovered from it. I remember because I admitted a 105-year-old today. That's oh, wow. the oldest... The oldest I had prior to her was a 104-year-old. Now, today we admitted a 105-year-old. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's true that <laughs> younger people can't, uh, younger people recover from this quicker, correct? It's, it's affecting the elderly and the correct. terminally ill right. more. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, guys, if, if, if you're young, if you're athletic, if you're healthy, <clears throat> hopefully you're not a smoker, um, your recovery should be quick. It's more of your grandparents or your elder parents yeah. that you should be more worried about. Um, I, I saw people online that were telling their older parents, they were saying, you know, just, just stay home. Stay home and um, load up on, you know, uh, healthy foods. Immune boosters. Immune yeah. boosters. Yeah. And my wife was actually you know, texting me, telling me, you know, load up on the garlics, the gingers, <clears throat> all those things to, Bulk. you know. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Bulk. To boost the immune system. That, that's all it is, guys. As long as, as long as you keep yourself, and wash your hands. Wash your damn hands, literally. Or you're supposed to do that anyways. Uh, you'll be surprised. There's a lot of people, <laughs> especially when I'm in the men's room, you know, they, they like come in behind me, and, and then I'm, I'm like, what? You. And you just <laughs> wait, and you wait know, there for somebody to uh, open the door? <laughs> they come and be. <laughs> I should have finished that story. Um, no, they go, you know, they do their business, and I'm still washing my hands, yeah. you know, because I'm sick. And then I'm watching, and then I just see them walk back out, and they just leave. And they know? touch the doorknob yeah, and their everything. Door handle and, um, and sometimes they actually walk into the kitchen, which yeah. is scarier. Yeah, yeah. Those those people, those people. <laughs> there should be a law to have those people's hands amputated. Right. That, that way, they'll always wash their hands. I mean, I've I've always been, um, you know, <clears throat> washing hands. Don't touch handles. I remember one time I was at Starbucks, and I've always done this. I I never touch that creamer handle ever. Yeah. So I always take a napkin. Because if you imagine at Starbucks, how many people touch that creamer handle? And right. I've, I've always been like this. So there's a woman, you know, she used this, she put it down. I grabbed the Kleenex, grab it, and 
she got so offended. This was a long time ago. This wasn't recent. She got offended. She goes, you know, I'm not as dirty as you think I am. You know, in my head, I'm like, hell yeah, you're as dirty as I think you are. You're disgusting. So, and I said, what the hell is it to you? You know, like I just told her, I said, can you imagine how many people have touched this handle? You know, so. Tell him know. you have a very sensitive immune system. Yeah. <laughs> Tell him you have, I think you, you might have coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, I mean, I, I just can't wait to see how this is going to socially out. change us for, forever. Yeah. Or. We may just have short-term memory, and then you know, six months from now, we'll be kissing right. and licking each other like nothing changed, yeah. or nothing has happened. You know, there's these stupid kids online now. <laughs> there was the Tide Pod challenge, and then there was the I don't know uh, the, the the passing out challenge where they would push each yeah. other's chests in, and they would pass out. Now there's the coronavirus challenge where they go. These stupid kids go and lick stuff. <laughs> I saw that. At, wasn't she licking what? the toilet seat? There was a toilet seat. There in, was a on the plane or what was yeah. That? It was, was there's a toilet seat one. There was one they were licking a a, a rail at a, on a building. There was another one they were licking. Uh, idiots. Are you serious? Yeah, these, I'm telling you, these kids <clears throat> were screwed, man. Like this next generation, <laughs> we're screwed. That, and these people are going to be in office maybe one day. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, hundred like percent. Like the AOCs of the world. Yeah. I bet she was licking. <laughs> The bar stools. <laughs> bar stools <laughs> 15 years ago. I'm t- it's, it's scary, man. It's like, are these kids really that stupid? Yeah. Like, what are you guys doing? And they're putting it online. And thinking that, oh, you know what? It'll eventually go away. No, this is, <clears throat> if you eventually run for office, this is following you straight to office. Yeah. Your, your uh, TikTok accounts and your Instagram accounts are going straight to the office. Uh, but anyways, I mean, you know what, guys? At the end of the day, let's make sure, you know... We're all safe. Sanitize everything around you. Wash your hands. Eat your immune-boosting foods. Um, take care of yourselves. Stop Exercise. Hoarding. Stop hoarding. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. You don't need 25 bags of lava. It's just yeah. one is enough for a few days. And don't be like that moron who bought 17,000 uh, <laughs> sanitizers and <clears throat> now is basically and on yeah, the shit list. And I'm having difficulty finding sanitizers for my nurses. Imagine that. Yeah. Because of jackasses like that right is, is that is that a federal crime though at this point i mean the attorney general is uh going after him for uh price gouging but i don't think they'll do anything but just don't be stupid and do that you know yeah. i mean stupid idiot man yeah. stupid idiot what did you think he's like jeff bezos he's gonna start off in yeah. his garage right sanitizer the next <laughs> trillion dollar company yeah. oh gosh idiot uh but Seb, let's get into what you do um, enough about this whole coronavirus crap that's going on. Um, you're Continue bankrupt. to touch yourself. It's okay. <laughs> don't touch your eye. Don't yeah, touch don't your touch nose. Uh, just don't shake me with that hand. <laughs> I don't shake with my left hand. That's why my, my right hand has been... Sevan even brought his own... Uh, yeah. Yeah, what is that? Sanitizer. Sanit- mm-hmm. no, it's not, well, not well, sanitizer. It's a cup of- is, that, is that a coffee cup? It's in a coffee cup. Oh. It's a yeah. wipe. It's a sanitizing yeah. wipe. Well, I told my wife I would take sanitizer, so... <clears throat> yeah. Well, none of us have coronavirus, so you no. don't have to worry about it. Yeah, we, we have a test kit over there. You just walk through it. Swap. Beeps. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's, let's get into what you do. You're, you're a bankruptcy attorney, right? I am. Can, you, a- can you just elaborate roughly? Um, you know, uh, well, not elaborate. Let's go back to as far as how you got into uh, bankruptcy attorney. Because there's a lot of, uh, you know, we were talking about it off the podcast. There's a lot of people that get into the whole, you know, PI right. and divorce and stuff. Why bankruptcy? Um, it was in my uh, second year of law school where there was uh, somebody who came and spoke about what she does, and she was a bankruptcy attorney. And one of the things that 
really caught my attention of what she does is bankruptcy involves a lot of different areas of law, you know, so it's not just all, let's say you're a tax attorney, you know, to me, that's just always doing tax, but bankruptcy, actually, you get to, you know, delve a little bit about different areas of law. So if you come to me, you're like, oh, I got this tax problem. Well, now I got to go learn a little bit about tax to see how I can help you within the bankruptcy context. So it allowed me to experience different areas of law. So that was one. And number two, and this is, I'm being genuine, I really enjoy <clears throat> helping people with their debt problems. Um, bankruptcy attorneys um, are essentially the last step before people's lives go to hell. You know, they got a foreclosure coming up. I had a client today. Oh, my God, my house is up for foreclosure. You know, and uh, as you may know, it takes about 120 days for the bank to set the foreclosure. There's default, whatever. Usually they wait till the 119th damn day to contact a bankruptcy attorney. She called me <laughs> and uh, goes, oh, my God, there's a foreclosure sale scheduled. And uh, I'm like, OK, I'm busy today. You know, Mondays are hell. When is the sale? Tomorrow at nine, you know. I'm like, damn bastard. So, but I feel bad. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. It's like, oh, I know. They're, they're, setting, they're setting up the booth right now. All no, right. So the sale is tomorrow. And I mean, the individuals are going to lose their home tomorrow. So bankruptcy attorneys are the last uh, barrier before people's lives, you know, go to crap. So I really enjoy stepping in and dealing with, you know, aggressive creditors and saving their home. So I saved this woman's home. So she'll get to stay there. Um, and actually, bankruptcy also allows you to essentially, you know, it's very cliche, but to get a fresh start. People overburden themselves. And look, sometimes life happens. You know, yeah. um, a lot of, I would say 20% of my clients come to me because they made some really stupid decisions voluntarily, you know, like a, and I'm not kidding you, like a 2,800, you know, lease payment on a car. So those are stupid decisions. But 80% of the clients is something in life happened. You know, wife passed away. Um, they lost their job, something happened. And I like to be there to help them get back on track and to get a fresh start. So those are some of the things that inspired me to uh, get into bankruptcy. And after the second year of law school, that's all I ever wanted to do. And that's all I've ever done. I've never done anything else. No PI. I have no idea anything about PI. So, you know, I worked for a bankruptcy judge and just went from there. You know, so Why, why is there so much stigma around bankruptcy some for some reason people think well if you've had a bankruptcy that means you're a failure right and i think it's the opposite it means you may have actually attempted to do something right in your life whether it's something ambitious or right i mean you've taken a risk maybe even somewhere like you said life happens spouse passes away or uh, there's always curveballs so right. why is there such a stigma around it you know, I mean, I think there's a stigma because people don't want to be perceived as, you know, quote unquote failures. You yeah. know, it's if you file bankruptcy, that means you didn't have control over your finances and, you know, you're, you're just a mess up. And I think that's completely wrong. Um, most people would, would not be would be surprised to know that most of my clients are actually successful people and they know how to game the system. So. And I don't want to say game the system, but bankruptcy is there to provide a solution to get out of debt. And a lot of my clients are successful. They got properties. They got expensive cars and assets and companies. And it's designed in a way to essentially reorganize and get you back on track. So I think there's a stigma. And I think it just stems from, you know, our cultural upbringing. You know, so I do get a lot of clients from like Korean clients, Chinese clients that they'll come to me from far away. You know, because they don't want to go see a bankruptcy attorney that's, you know, from their own culture. Uh -huh. So who is this, you know, 
fat seven guy, you know, let's go see him. You know, I, I, I really hope they don't say fat seven guy. I just, by, by the so. way, people, he's actually very tall in person. I mean, yeah. I, I walked in, I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, everybody's taller than me. But and, then, and handsome, right? And tall. handsome, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we practice that. But um, yeah, essentially, I think that's why there's a stigma. And, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, and people will contact me and see me. I actually have a lot of, you know, friends and family that come see me. And obviously, I can't. You know, tell them, tell anybody who it is. So, I, I just hope people would feel more comfortable. I mean, it's it's okay. You know, life throws curveballs, and it's all right to hit the you know pause button and get a fresh start. Yeah, I mean, if you fall off your horse, you just right. you know dust yourself off and get back on. But as far as like a bankruptcy, why are you on a horse to begin with? Though? You, that's you could. Hey, yeah. you know what? You could run. I'll get on my horse. <laughs> I'll beat you to the finish line. But uh, as far as like a bankruptcy, now you were saying, you know, a lot of your clients are successful people, you right. know, assets, cars, all this stuff. So in essence, when you file for bankruptcy, your assets aren't really touched. Is that correct? Or it, does it depend on what type of bankruptcy you're filing? Right. It depends on which kind of bankruptcy you're filing. You know, a lot of my clients think, you know, um, oh my God, they're going to take everything away from me. Look, the law is not designed to make you homeless, okay? So there's our, there are things called exemptions, which are essentially the law allows you to keep a lot of things. Because if we were to take a lot of things from you, mm-hmm. then you'd be homeless and you're now a bigger problem to society. You know, So it's, no, let's let them keep the car, <clears throat> keep your clothes, keep your furniture. So there's exemptions, you know, and you could keep a lot of cash, retirement account, et cetera. It's only when you exceed those exemptions is what is subject to being taken away from you. So which is only fair. I mean, the best example I have for my clients is if you had four Ferraris, and if you do have four Ferraris, you know, let me know. Um, but if you have four Ferraris, they'll let you keep one car so you can go to work and live. The other three cars are a little bit excess. So those are the ones that will take away. And if you don't want it to be taken away, there's a different chapter of bankruptcy you can file so you can keep everything. So it's Because the argument is always, well, uh, look at, I, I don't want to bring up politics, but you know, Trump has filed bankruptcy, was it five times or three times? Seven times, I think. Well, Seven times. That's, well, that's incorrect. And if you hear him saying it, he says, I've never filed bankruptcy. My well, the corporation, yeah, right. yeah. So, and that's, again, very common, you know? I mean... How many Fortune 500 filed Chapter 11 just so they can restructure, right? Right, a lot. I mean, and and there's so many that are filing. And I always tell people, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, Forever 21 is in bankruptcy. Forever 21 is in a bankruptcy? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Forever 21 is in a bankruptcy, you know? So... um I'll get people that are owed money on the other side. So sometimes I represent creditors, people mm-hmm. that are owed money. So people that have sold things to Forever 21, they're like, you know, hey, shit, where the hell's my money? You know, I'm like, all right, let's go try to get your money. You know, Diesel, um, just a lot of companies are filing bankruptcy to reorganize and basically get a fresh start. You know, gyms, a lot of gyms are going to be filing bankruptcy soon. So um, because of this virus or just no, in general? No, no, just, no, no, uh, just, just in general because they lease out a lot of space and a lot of the equipment is not theirs. So they're leasing from a company and they have hard money lenders who have funded them to go lease those expensive uh-huh. you know, machines. And membership drops. You don't make the lease payment for the equipment. You know, that starts the first domino effect. Then you fall behind on this huge industrial space that you just rented. So um, gyms are now, if you've noticed, becoming a little bit more smaller yeah. with these, uh, you know, boot camp and mm-hmm. things like that where you don't need a lot it's a dumbbell and go flip a tire you know yeah. body weight body weight yeah, yeah. which uh, I can <laughs> but anyway, I'm not going to talk about <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey we said you're handsome man <laughs> yeah thank you <clears throat> 
But uh, see, like uh, it's funny uh, when you you mentioned Forever Twenty One. Uh, I was reading an article about it, and the one reason why Forever Twenty One, well, one of the reasons why they were filing for bankruptcy is because they had so much debt that you know, because uh, Forever Twenty One, a lot of these ladies when they, you know, they apply for Forever Twenty One credit cards. It's like, okay, you buy one transaction, two transactions, three transactions, and then you start making minimum payments on it. I mean, essentially, you know, they have a debt as well that they have to pay, right. and they were falling behind on that. And it was it was such a large amount that they were like, okay, you know what? There's no other choice. We have that. And that's one of one of the reasons why. But that does that mean that was, does that mean Forever 21 was actually lending them that credit amount or uh, no. isn't it the bank lending and <laughs> right. forever 21 gets paid regardless right yeah so or any retailer the uh, banks that usually come through for the retailers um, are banks that likely a lot of people have not heard of like a uh, synchrony bank community bank these are banks you don't see on the street these are banks that generally and there's something called the department store national bank something like that um, mm-hmm. these are pr- you know, separate banks that lend through the retailers to give it to the clients um, but no, I mean, Forever 21, just like Toys R Us, you know, things like that, retail is completely changing, you know. So no one knows what's going to happen, but there, I don't think you're going to see any more office depots. It's just it's too big of a space. And a lot of people want to quickly blame Amazon, you know, but I think people should just blame themselves, you know, because we have exchanged convenience in order not to go into the store. You know, I'm guilty of that, too. You know, I buy everything off of Amazon, right. you know, one, because it's convenient, too, and I want to avoid people, you know, I... I'm charming. I like to talk, but I do not want to go into Target and see someone. And you know, it's like small talk, small talk. Paparazzi's and, and, after you. Yeah, um, it's just so it's convenience, and I think um, retail is going to significantly change from that. And uh, see, but what's go- what's going to fill up in those retail spots? Condos. I mean, what's what's that's yeah. what's happening. Like Sears is another one. There's actually a there's a, a contractor going in where Glendale Sears is now. Okay, Sears is gone. What do they want to do? They want to build another high-rise condominium complex. Right. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy what society is becoming. Right. I think a lot of them are turning into these um, what I call millennial office spaces. Yeah. You know, like industrious, we work, we work, um, yeah. things like that. Where it's wasn't, okay, we'll take it up and wasn't we work in trouble too? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Financial we work, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, Whenever you overextend yourself and you promise. <clears throat> future receivables in exchange for a loan that becomes a problem like yeah. i mean how, do, how does that work like if you come to me it's like seven i'll give you hey can i borrow a hundred million dollars well what asset do you have that i can take well i promise you my future income right you know that i'm how, gonna make half a million right well, half how, a billion a year how the hell do you know yeah. what no, i'm gonna make in the future no collateral right there's no collateral your only collateral is my future accounts right. accounts received but how do you know what i'm gonna do in the future well they're counting on the uh, idea the concept right. the technology whatever it is that you have, assuming it's even something proprietary, which these days, what is really proprietary anymore, right? Yeah. Well, that's something know. where it's like Shark Tank. At that point, exactly. you, know, you, you give a portion of your business as, you know, yeah. as a right. percentage. Like, there was this one guy, he asked for, it was a, for hard money. Uh, he wanted like 30000 My hard money lender says, okay, what does he have as far as collateral? He's like, I want to be the first on it. He said, well, he has a property. He says, no, I, mean, I don't want to be the second. I want to be the first. Right. He, had a, he had an M3 paid off he said okay he has an m3 how much is the car worth he said roughly around you know 30 40,000 he said okay let me put the collateral on the m3 he goes no 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 no, not on my car he <laughs> yeah. goes, well, what do you, how do you want, expect me to give you the money he says no anything but my car it's like bro listen to me 
you can't ask for money for free. And not They're give like, up something. Yeah, you have to give something up. He's like, sign over your pink slip. The guy will basically lend you the money. If you default, he will come after your car. It's as simple as that. Okay. No, 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 no. He's like, I, I feel comfortable enough where <laughs> I feel confident enough that I'll pay him back within two to three months. Okay, if you feel confident enough, sign it over. And if you pay it off, he'll give you your pink slip back. No, 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 no. And he goes, and it's an Armenian host. He goes, it's like, oh, okay. Bro, listen, it's like, yeah, this, it doesn't it. work that way. <laughs> it, it, we're talking business here. Right. It's, well, I think everybody that borrows money, especially hard, hard money type, or, you know, the, uh, let me borrow five grand, I'll pay you next month. Right. Come on, man. How many people have paid next month or in two months or in six months? It's like, my friend had a good saying. Uh, he goes, when people come and ask me for money, I say, uh, you know, he, he says I would hold my hand and say, do you mind kissing my hand? And they'll be like, what the fuck? What do you mean kiss you? He's like, kiss my hand. They're like, no, I'm not going to kiss your hand. Why do you want me to do that? He's like, because, hey, when I want my money back, I'm going right. to come back and kiss your ass to get it. So at least if you can kiss my hand now. <laughs> I want to I kiss your ass later. I won't feel so bad kissing your ass later. <laughs> I, well, they always say the easiest way to get rid of somebody is lend them some money. <laughs> right. You'll never hear from them again. Right. Oh, I got to try that on some people. Oh, yeah. But, but um, so as, as a lot of people, I'm sure they've, they've all applied for a credit card or mm-hmm. even a basic rental agreement, anything these days you apply for. Right. One of the top five questions is, have you ever filed for bankruptcy? So if bankruptcy is so common, why is that? Is that is that a question? First of all, that uh, anybody filling out an application should be concerned about, or even try to not answer it, you know, legitly in a sense. Or should they? Is that a positive if you've had a bankruptcy? Is it a negative? How how? Why is that one of the first things that's asked right after your social security number? It's basically right. have you filed for bankruptcy? So I, I've always thought, well, it's probably a bad thing that if I ever have filed one. Well, um, <clears throat> I mean, it's kind of a twofold if you think about it. The, the first thing they're doing is trying to test your, how good your credit is. You know? mm-hmm. Now, I think the real reason why they're asking you is because generally you could only, well, not generally, you could only file bankruptcy once every eight years in Chapter 7. So if I'm the one that's asking, you know, have you ever filed bankruptcy? What I'm really doing is knowing if you haven't, then if I were to give you this money, are you going to go file bankruptcy tomorrow and screw me? Mm-hmm. You know, But if you have, it's kind of a little counterintuitive. If you have, you're actually less of a credit risk because I know you can't go file for another eight years or seven years. So I'm more than happy to give you the money. And if you don't pay, I'm going to make your life miserable for the next few years. So one of the reasons they ask is actually whether you have is kind of could be a good thing because I have and therefore I can't go file again. So please give me the credit card. Please give me the loan. Um, and, you know, the bankruptcy code has uh, anti-discrimination in there where, you know, the, the government cannot discriminate against you. It can't, you know, we're going to give, we're not going to give you RN license because you filed bankruptcy. That is forbidden. Um, so, you know, student loans, things like that, you know, they, they can't not give it to you because file bankruptcy. But I think that's one of the reasons why they ask is they just want to know, you know, whether you are credit worthy or not. And look, I mean, a lot of my clients ask me, is, is my life over? You know, no, your life is not over. So you will still be able to get car loans. You'll get a lot of credit cards after for the reason why I said, because they're more likely to lend to you. You know, mm-hmm. Capital One is the first one and th- they'll send you a nice uh, package. My client showed me one. It was incredible. 
Capital One sent this beautiful card. It was like one of those look like uh, you know when you got those amex black cards yeah it was this nice thing you know and it says uh, congratulations on your discharge you know we are so happy you got a fresh start <laughs> attached as a credit card you know please you know enjoy life you know enjoy life you're telling the guy to go spend because you know if he doesn't pay you know you're going to go after him so um you'll be able to get cars you know you can get a home loan so it's it's not really the end of the world see just curious for somebody like that who gets a capital one card right what what is the limitation on that first credit card, roughly? I mean, uh, is it like 2000 3000 or is it like something where they'll give them an extravagant amount, like worth $20,000, $30,000? Yeah, so it'll, most of the time, it starts with a secured credit card. And a secured credit card is, the bank will tell you, give us $1,000, and we'll give you a credit card. And then you go pay it off monthly. And if you don't pay, we're going to take it from the deposit you gave us. Once you build enough reputation that, okay, give me back that deposit, let me spend freely, um, they will increase your credit after that. So initially, it's going to be a secured credit card. So it's going to be a, I don't want to say they're going to give you a limit, but if you give $1,000, they'll give you a $1,000 credit limit. And after you show that, after three months, hey, when the bill comes, I'll pay, you know, they will give you back that. The initial thousand, that thousand dollars, kind of like a savings account, basically. Right. So they just want to make sure you, and and that's actually good, and that'll bump up your score significantly on on, on so FICO. Let, so let's say you said it's it's eight years. Now, if you've, for example, filed a Chapter Seven, um, does that mean you can't file a different chapter, like an eleven or a thirteen? No, or you can't. So th- it just means that that particular type of bankruptcy you cannot file for another eight years right so chapter seven is the complete discharge you know you've eliminated everything so they want to you know let you go for about eight years and then do it again and i actually have clients that every eighth year um i mean i haven't been practicing that long but i'm like have you filed bankruptcy before you know because that's actually one of the things we put on there they go yeah and i'll check the date and i'm like son of a gun you know, you're here right on the eight year mark, you know? <laughs> so once they know, they're like, hey, next year I'll be eligible again. So, eligible. <laughs> you know, they'll, they, they uh, start. And I look, I'm like, this is your eighth year. So, every eight years. So, you do get those clients yeah. that know how to do it. I'm not saying it's okay to do it, but hey, whatever. Yeah, you mind know. you guys, this is, a, this is a complete restart button on your entire financial life, basically. Right. So, it's not like, oh, you know what? I'll file for bankruptcy and then. Uh, I'll go and I'll you know build up my credit within a couple months. No, it's going to take time again. Yeah, right. Uh, but uh, let's let's elaborate on the chapters. So there's right. obviously different chapters. The chapter seven you said is a complete discharge of everything, right. complete restart. But, um, but sorry, does the seven only apply to personal or to corporations as well? Right. So that's also a, kind of a misconception about businesses. So a chapter seven is essentially think of it as like a garage sale. You know, it's a straight liquidation. Um, you get to keep a lot of things, mm-hmm. and all of your debts are eliminated. So, and ninety-nine percent of people fall below those exemptions. I mean, like cash, we're talking about thirty thousand dollars in cash you can keep. Um, so, it's generally someone who's renting; they have one car. You know, if you have a retirement account that's fully protected, I don't care if there's a million dollars in there, it's fully protected. Really? So, oh yeah, retirement accounts are fully protected, but it has to be a real retirement account, um, not just. A savings account, like I created. a four hundred one k, has to be a four hundred one k, things like that. Oh, so, it can't be a savings account. No, like a CD or anything. Right. No, 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 like an actual thing, uh, like an IRA, four hundred one k, annuities, or right. So okay. those are fully protected. <clears throat> now, kind of a side topic: What if you were to? Um, this is called a pre-bankruptcy planning. If you come to me and you say, you know, Arno, you have four Ferraris, you know, 
Nice. So what I know. Shit, man. Let me borrow one. What if <laughs> no. what if I were to tell you, you know, Arno, you're gonna lose those other three Ferraris if you keep one. But what if I were to tell you before you file, why don't you go sell those three Ferraris, get the sales proceeds, and let's put it into a fully exempt retirement account, and then let's go file. Is that wrong? It's not wrong. You know, that's called pre bankruptcy. Really? Claim. It's so it's, it's not that it's like it's it's ethical. It's not or it's a now there's uh, a hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's legal. Is it yes. ethical? Look, there's a saying, you know, um, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Okay. You ever say that? You ever heard that? I've heard it. Yeah. Okay. It's part of my wedding vows. So, Jeez. A, no, <laughs> All right. No, I'm kidding. Honey, I'm kidding. Um, so what, what do I mean? There's actually a, it's, it's allowed, but you can't go overboard. There's these two cases that, you know, that are very popular. One of them, the guy's like a farmer, has a little bit of debt and sold some pigs, took the money and did that. The other case was very famous doctor. You know, he took all his investment properties and he had much more. For one of them, they did the same thing that I just mentioned. For one of them, they said, it's okay, you could do it. The other one, they said, how dare you, doctor, you greedy bastard. You know, so mm-hmm. same idea. So when I say, you know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, it's allowed, but don't push the limit. Yeah. You know, so. Because I feel like now that I look back at it, it's like, okay, you know what? You can essentially say, all right, you know what? I tried to avoid bankruptcy. That's the reason why I sold the Ferraris. I tried to cover some debt up, and unfortunately, that was the last straw. I, I just, you know, I just can't survive anymore. I need to file for bankruptcy. Uh, is it, let me ask you this though: student loans. There's a big question as far as with student loans. A lot of people say that you can file for Chapter Seven and everything, but student loans will follow you until you die. Is that correct? No. That's not correct. So student loans um, can be discharged in a bankruptcy. Okay. So there's a couple of ways of doing it. There's two big misconceptions. I always hear, oh, I heard student loans don't go away. I'm like, that's wrong. Okay. Number two is income taxes. They always saying, oh, I know I can't get rid of income taxes. Yes, you can. You know, so there's, you have to qualify. There's certain things you've got to qualify for. The, for example, the taxes, it has to be more than three years old. So if you owe from 2014 $9,000 of income taxes, that'll go away, okay? So I recently helped a client get rid of $26,000 of income taxes. So it's it's possible. When for you the, say get rid of through bankruptcy. Through the bankruptcy. Through bankruptcy. It's fully okay. discharged. It's gone, and, um, and that's it. So the student loans is also a big misconception. Now, the word student loan does not appear anywhere in the bankruptcy code. It doesn't talk about student loans, okay? It says that the debt owed, you know, I actually wrote it down because I want to get it right. It's a loan for an educational benefit from a qualified institution. Okay, so let's say, let's just say it's a qualified educational loan. That's what it says you can't get rid of. Now, what lawyers do is we dice up these words. Hey, what the hell does that mean? So there's two ways to get rid of a student loan in a bankruptcy. If it's a real federally backed student loan from, let's say, you know, it comes from the Department of Education. You can get rid of it if you could just show undue hardship. That judge requiring me to continue my life. I know I got rid of the credit cards and all that crap, but requiring me to continue to be obligated on these student loans would be an undue hardship for me. I don't make a lot of money. My life has continued to be you know, difficult, so let me discharge the student loans. If you could show that, it could be eliminated. Okay, So that's a pretty high burden to show an undue hardship. Okay. An easier way to do it is what if it's not a qualified educational loan? If it's not a qualified education loan, then it's not a real student loan. 
and therefore it's discharged. It's gone. So what does this mean, qualified? Mm -hmm. The loan must come from a qualified institution. If you tell me you went to UCLA, that's a qualified institution that receives funding from the Department of Education. So those are real student loans. But if you told me, oh, I went to trucking school, oh, I went to a Caribbean medical school, that's a big one. The loan that the Caribbean Medical School gave you, that $200,000, didn't come from the Department of Education. That's a private, whatever, bank in the Caribbean. So $200,000 medical school loan, out. You're done. You're, it's done. Oh. So cosmetology school, chiropractic schools, um, all these unqualified so online schools. Are there a lot of, for example, are there any medical schools or professional degree schools in, in the states that are not considered qualified like a like a law degree or like a culinary school in Pasadena Cordon Bleu that closed uh, down right right or um, <laughs> Ventura Boulevard College of Law well Cordon Bleu is a global uh, yeah culinary school right right but the, but the loans they give you is private loans most of them uh, okay so these um, you know I mean Chiropractic schools, things like that, they don't get money from the Department of Education. So if you come to me like, hey, I need a student loan. So I have to go to Wells Fargo across the street and say, hey, if my students need loans, will you give it to them? Sure. That's not a student loan. That's a private loan that Wells Fargo is giving you. What about something like Sally Mae? Well, Sally Mae is just a servicer. So they just service the loan. Okay. So you have to track where the loan is coming from. And... um there's actually a website, and if you go on the Department of Education's website, you'll see there's a list, there's an Excel spreadsheet of the qualified institutions in America. So obviously UCLA will be on them. On them. But if you do a control find Ventura College of Law, you know mm-hmm. that's not going to be on there. That should tell you, oh, this loan that I got is a private loan. Hmm. What if? You know? Let me ask you this now. <laughs> you were mentioning something about like Le Cordon Bleu and all that stuff. I mean, there's a lot of majors out there that don't really have any sort of future if you don't you know go into like the masters or the right. phd one of them being you know psychiatry or psychology or any of those like sociology if you don't continue your education it's kind of like okay what are you going to do with the sociology degree you know what i mean um let's say for example you get your bachelor's in sociology psychiatry and you're done you don't go after your masters you don't go after your phd you don't go into law school you don't do any of that stuff and you start working at shit i don't know bank of america Right. As a teller, and then you become a PB, whatever it is. Um, but financially, you can't pay off your student loan. But you went to a UCLA. You went to mm-hmm. a USC. You went to, call it a Cal State. But financially, you're just, it's, the, the loan is a burden. Right. Would you be able to get rid of your student loan that way? Yes. Um, that would be under the, the first way. First one. By undue. showing an undue hardship. Even so, though it's at a, you're at a, yes. a high institution. Yep. Even if it's a regular you know, federally backed loan. That's the way to get rid of it. The easier way is, so one of the questions I ask is, you know, when clients tell me, oh, I got student loans. First question is, where'd you go to the school? You know, Mm. oh, I went to some Caribbean medical school. Bingo. That's it. So I. We have a lot of questions, by the way. Yeah. So I recommend, guys, if you're going to apply for school, go on that list. Make sure the school is not on that list before you apply. (laughs) Medical school, law school. <laughs> hey, they're asking University of Phoenix. What about University right. of Phoenix? Right. Make any, sure. any school that's advertised on TV is not a university, bro. Yeah. Kaplan. Yeah, it's like yeah. University of Phoenix, uh, ITT Tech. Is ITT Tech still even around? Yeah, you, you, the uh, University so. of Phoenix. Um, I'm, I'm such a nar- narcissistic person. I love watching myself on that 
screen. Anyway, but um, <laughs> yeah, for the just... University of Phoenix, um, there's actually a link I posted on my Facebook a while ago. University of Phoenix was giving refunds or something like that up to like, I was going to make up a number, like $120 million or something. Cause, so you should look into University of Phoenix really? and uh, what they're doing with this refund policy. See, so. my, my wife went to uh, West Coast University, mm-hmm. but her, her, her loan was under Sally May. Like we would get Sally May statements, right? But you were saying Sally May was uh, a servicer, a servicer, right? So, so they essentially do the paperwork. So, but I mean, would West? Well, I mean, uh, hers would be difficult because it's a it's a registered nurse. Their income is high, so you kind of wouldn't be able to even. Well, the second process is with bankruptcy. It's not through the undo process, right? Right. Well, no, the everything was uh, everything I was talking about is within the bankruptcy process. So you must actually file the bankruptcy to get into that arena yeah. to do this. Now there are alternative options you know so federal government has a lot of programs where you know if you pay for 25 years on ibr which is income-based repayment 10 percent of your income whatever and whatever's left after 25 years will be gone you know they do have some kind of programs but that by far is one of the biggest scams that i've read you know it started under obama ibr is this ibr was it was actually the one where if you um, go work at a nonprofit. And you take less of a salary mm-hmm. that after 10 years, you work at a nonprofit, et cetera, then whatever balance remains after your law school debt, you know, mm-hmm. th- that will be gone. And that started under Obama was a 2007, 8-ish. And then in 2018, 10 years had passed. A lot of people applied saying, hey, it's been 10 years, you know. And unfortunately, 1% of those people qualified to have it to be, you know, eliminated. Oh, my God. The other 99%, they worked for 10 years for a nonprofit. They're like, mm-hmm. why didn't I qualify? Well, you know, six years ago, you switched jobs and you didn't check the right box. So I'm oh sorry, you don't God. qualify. And it's it's unfortunately one of the biggest scams, um, which is unfortunate. But then again, it's uh, incompetent people from our government we're dealing with. But. So let's go over a couple of these questions. First of all, Steve Barumian says, uh, <laughs> quick plug. Uh, he's made several referrals to you. Clients loved your work. Thank you, Steve. Uh, he's going to be on the show too, actually, next oh, month. Oh, great. You know when? No. What does he do? With uh, one line of... <laughs> oh, my God. Does it fall on the same day? <laughs> yep. 420? 420. Yes. <laughs> wow. This uh, room will uh, smell interesting. Yeah. Uh, Christine, Christina Malian actually has two questions. One is, do you have to disclose a pending accident case in BK while it's active? And then her second mm-hmm. part is, is there a trace back period of BK courts checking when you plan for BK? Um, the second question, I'm going to have to ask it to be repeated. But the first question, do you have to disclose the PI case? Um, yes, you absolutely need to need to disclose it. So one of the assets that's included in your bankruptcy is not just, you know, the assets you have at home, my car, this and that. Another asset you have is I have a potential claim, this lawsuit I'm pursuing that I might get $100,000. That's an asset. If you don't disclose it, um, and if it's discovered later, it'll be taken away from you and your discharge will be taken away. So if the trustee finds out three years from now, you know, hey, you bastard, you didn't list it, you know, that's an asset. So that discharge of the $40,000 credit cards, we're going to take it back, you know, and, and now you're screwed. So that doesn't fall under the same category as a retirement or maybe <coughs> no. like a life insurance no. or anything of that no. nature? Really? No. That um, you have to disclose it. And there's there's amount of exemptions you could take to keep it. But again... If you want to discharge, you know, $20,000 of credit cards, it's not fair to let you continue this million-dollar lawsuit and for you to get a million dollars, you know. So the law will allow you to keep a certain portion of the settlement proceeds. 
but you must disclose that asset. And a lawsuit is one of those assets. And a lot of people get into trouble when you don't list it because it can actually be used against you. So if you come to me today, Arno, and you say, I want to file bankruptcy, okay, and I'm, I'm going to ask you, do you have a potential lawsuit against anyone, like your neighbor? And if you say no, and we put no, later, a year from now, if you sue your neighbor, your neighbor's attorney will likely contact me and say, hey, has Arno, can you check bankruptcy court? Has Arno ever filed a bankruptcy before? Sure. And did he list a potential lawsuit against my client? No, he didn't. Well, the lawsuit you bring in now, they're going to hold your bankruptcy papers and say, last year you said you did not have a claim against anybody, and now you're bringing this lawsuit. So are you lying now, or did you lie on your bankruptcy papers? So it can be used as a sword against you. So if you do have any potential claims, you Always have to disclose it. it. You have to, yeah. Even if you're not going to do anything, you have to disclose it because it can be used against you. you so know, even if you're in the process of bankruptcy and you decide to file a claim against somebody, do you have to go back to your bankruptcy paperwork and say, okay, you know what, now I have a potential claim. I might be getting paid no. four months from now. No, no. It's it's only those things that you know as of the time so of So prior to it. So like, right. like I said, if you're filing for bankruptcy and then you get into a car accident a month or two months later? That's fine. That's fine. That, okay. That's separate. Okay. It's, it's whatever you know as at the time of filing. Okay. So I always ask my clients, do you have any possible claims? You know, did, did your neighbor yeah. kick you this morning? You know, mm-hmm. anything. So um, be because... Yeah. Squirrel bit me in the it, morning. <laughs> yeah. No, because <laughs> I, I've actually... No, I, I had, had an uh, attorney friend contact me because he had a feeling that this person that was suing his client had filed bankruptcy. And I pulled up his papers and... It was around the same time. He said, oh, yeah, it was a landlord-tenant issue, and he was representing the landlord. Mm-hmm. So he didn't list a possible lawsuit against the landlord for property damage. And I said, great, use this against them, you know, because he had to list it. People are so stupid. They don't understand that these lawsuits are all public record. Everybody could pull it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Alex says, can you guys keep a six-foot distance? We need seven with the economic downturn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's get to the second part of uh, Christina's question, which sure. was, is there a trace back period of BK courts checking when you plan for BK? You kind of answered that, no? When you plan for BK. Um, I'm not... I'm still is there not a track gonna... back period? Well, maybe she can clarify what uh, she Christina, means. Christina, can you please yeah. clarify, yeah. clarify that? Um, what about... Lernik was asking about University of Phoenix, and mm-hmm. you mentioned, are they on the list or not? Um, I don't know, actually. I've never you checked. Okay. But yeah, you guys can check on that list. Uh, Mike says, Wyotech ended up giving me back, giving my loan back. He went to a uh, mechanic school, oh, mechanic nice. certificate or some type of licensing school. And they ended up actually yeah, paying him back. Excellent. Uh, Alpin Nazarian says, best in his field, debtor and creditor. Great guest, guys. Very Thank you. informative. Thank you so much. Thank Alpin's you, Alpin. a great friend of the show and you know, in personal life yeah. as well. Uh, Harry Ohanesian says, hi, let's see. Oh, I recognize uh, that one with the pumpkin head. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I saw Chris Christoph. Oh, hi, Chris. <laughs> Is it true that yelling, I declare bankruptcy, starts the process? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, let's see. Like that, that's it for questions for now. Yeah. Christina, if you can clarify the second part of your question, and we'll get to it. Absolutely. Um, so, so the one thing that... I still am not clear on is when I asked you for for example, if you're filing bankruptcy for mm-hmm. I like the chapter seven, is that only applying to your personal or 
does it have to be filed separately for the corporation or how does that right. how does that work exactly? so no it's it's very separate and um usually when the businesses are str- struggling they'll always contact me you know and they're usually yelling at me and then i'm yelling back at them on the phone um they always tell me i want to put this business in a bankruptcy you know mm-hmm. it's in trouble and i always tell them look in a chapter seven corporations businesses do not get a discharge okay the discharge is the official court order that says your debts are gone personal debts. personal okay corporations do not get that so the question is well then why the hell would you file a bankruptcy for a corporation in a chapter seven um it'll it's designed to basically liquidate the company if you had a restaurant business you're like hey i'm done okay maybe and you don't want to go sell this equipment or whatever you can say look i don't want anything to do with this you put the corporation in a bankruptcy Somebody from the court will come. It's a trustee. They'll come. They'll liquidate everything, sell it, deal with your creditors. You are on your way. Okay. If you file a bankruptcy, but you have a corporation, you have to list as an asset what are your corporate shares. So it's not the business that's filing bankruptcy. It's you filing bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So you know, I would ask you, do you have a corporation? Yes. Is it an S-corp? Yes. How many shares do you have? I have 30% of this S-corp. We put that 30% shares of the asset in the thing, and I'm going to ask you how much you think that 30% is worth. And you can protect the shares. You have to protect the shares of the corporation. This is in the Chapter 7. Personal bankruptcy. Right. So if I'm able to protect the 30% of your shares, mm-hmm. then I've also protected your own business. So, But generally, when people call me for a Chapter 7 for a business, I think what they're looking for is actually a relief of their own personal obligations on the business debts. Most businesses will have you sign personal guarantees. Right. So what they're really asking me is, Sevan, I have my own credit card debts, but I have also personally guaranteed the the business lease, the hard money lender I've personally guaranteed, et cetera. So I want to get relief from that. So that's what we can help you in to get rid of that. At that point, would you need to do Chapter 11 on the corp and 7 on the personal? Or No, you would just do um, just your own. So... A chapter 11, you know, just um, for the viewers and us, is kind of a reorganization. So let's say, let's say you do have those four Ferraris and you have a lot of assets and you have a lot of corporations. So you can't file chapter 7. Most of it will be taken away from you. If you want to keep everything, you file a chapter 11 or a chapter 13. They're both kind of similar. It's kind of a reorganization. It's kind of like a Rubik's Cube. It's the law bankruptcy code will give you five years to put this Rubik's Cube together. So they're going to let you reorganize over five years. It's a re- is, restart button, basically. Right, it's a restart button. So that's what General Motors did. So General Motors said, look, we don't want to liquidate and close. Circuit City did that. They're gone. But General Motors said, we don't want to go. Just give us five years to figure this out. And through the reorganization process, you can get rid of a lot of bad debt. And then you come out profitable. Great. Now GM is doing gangbusters. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the different. And the cost is very very different too. So Circuit City filed for what type of bankruptcy? Because Circuit City's gone. Right. So Circuit City's gone. I I don't know exactly which one they filed for, but I'm pretty sure now that they're gone, it was probably switched to a Chapter Seven liquidation, and and, and you could switch. So you can say like, and, that, and that's what Toys R Us did. Toys R Us said, "Hey, we don't want to go anywhere. You know, we want to just give us five years. We'll figure it out." So, and one way they try to figure it out, I was reading some of their um their documents, is they were trying to sell the business to a competing. Mm-hmm. Uh, business but n- people said nobody wants to buy this crap right. so so now Toys R Us will liquidate and be switched to kind of like a chapter 7 so they're going to switch from an 11 to an 7 and they're going to come in liquidate sell all the toys and there's no more Toys R Us yeah. Circuit so, City filed chapter 11 right 
and then eventually it was liquidated and gone. Yeah. No so, one wants to deal with it. But I thought you said you can only file a Chapter 7 on your personal assets. But if, if Circuit City is a uh, corporation or even if it's a publicly traded company, how can they switch from an 11 to a 7? Well, you could file a Chapter 7 for a business, but mm -hmm. it's not going to receive a discharge. In a Chapter 11, the business will receive a discharge. If you're able to put that puzzle together for the business and after five years... Mm -hmm whatever balance of debts that that's owed will get eliminated. A Chapter 7, essentially what it did for Circuit City is let somebody else come in and liquidate the business and it's gone. Uh, so okay. it's essentially a liquidation. So, But the owners don't want to deal with the liquidation. You know, They're like, I don't want to deal with this. You know, Who the hell wants to deal with this? So you get somebody in there to uh, liquidate and then they'll deal with all the creditors. They'll put a lot of money in their own pocket and then the business will be liquidated. So like, you know, like President Trump, you know, Trump Taj Mahal, you know, so all of his companies they filed bankruptcy because those companies were dealing with debts. So, but not him personally. Omar has a friend. He's asking for a friend. I mean, uh, <laughs> has a question asking for a friend. Uh, Hi, Omar. About corporate credit, can someone build corporate credit and buy properties, cars, and equipment, uh, then sell them and legally pocket the money? No. Oh, that was easy. That was easy. Um, so <laughs> you, you go to jail. <laughs> yeah. Tell your friend no. Right. So I, I think I understand what Omar is talking about. Um, a lot of people try to purchase debts under other people and other assets and other entities. Okay. So you cannot create an entity and purchase stuff under underneath an entity, use it, and then say, hey, I'm going to put this company in a bankruptcy. Oh, it's gone. You know, because banks are very clever. Okay. So let me kind of sidestep a little about most of the calls I get, and um, I'm able to quickly funnel it. They'll call me, you know, hey, Savon, I saw your picture. You look nothing like your picture in real life, but <laughs> oh, all right, yeah, I get that point, you know. Um, and they say, well, I've spent a lot of money on my credit cards. How much? You know, and this is typical conversations. I have $200,000, you know, and I'm like, $200,000? What the hell did you buy, you know? So I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, I want to file bankruptcy. And I tell them, I'm like, all right, well, what did you buy exactly? Oh, I remodeled my house. I did all this and, you know, things happen. So I'm like, all right, well, imagine if you're the bank and this is what the bank does. Okay. So once you file the bankruptcy, the bank will go to some, you know, some intern and sorry, Arno, I keep on picking on you for the bad examples. You know, so it's all say, good, man. Don't worry about it. He's <laughs> used to yeah. No, your hat is intimidating me. So I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to call on you, but you know, I'll come, Arno, this person filed bankruptcy. I want you to go through the last six months of their bank statements Use a ruler and tell me if anything, if anything stands out. So they're going to go through, okay, and then it's going to say, you know, Starbucks, whatever, but then it's going to say Apple Store, $6,000, and the intern's going to circle it. Ooh, okay, next one. It's like uh, an audit, basically. Right. Oh, Home Depot, $9,000. So they're going to audit, and they're going to circle it, and during your bankruptcy, somebody from the bank, their attorney is going to show up, and they're, they're going to say, excuse me, we have a question. Uh, what did you buy from Apple Store, you know? And what are all these expensive charges? Because people think, oh, if I just charge it, who cares? You know, No, there's people looking at it on the other side, especially if you file bankruptcy really close to it, you know, especially in the last six months. So because that's fraud. You know, no one likes the F word, okay? The, not, not that F word, this F word, fraud. And I always tell the client, I'm like, do you know what you did? It's a fraudulent, you know? No, what are you talking? How dare you? How dare you say it's fraud? And I tell them, look, fraud is essentially anytime you do something to get the other person to rely on what you're going to do as to being the truth. So, you know, every time you swipe a credit card, there's an implied promise that when the bill comes, I'm going to pay for this. Okay. One easy way to get rid of that 
is, or to prove that you did not, you did not have that intent, is if I sit you down and I say, Arno, this is a $5,000 charge at Best Buy. Um, did you intend to pay my client, the bank? that you tra- Absolutely. Okay. Here's a copy of your bank statement of your checking account on that same day. And you had $19. Hmm. How did you intend to pay my client when you charged $5,000? Oh, well, you know, boom. That red, is red flag. That's a red flag. That's presumed to be fraudulent. You never had the intent to pay my client. So, I mean, what uh, happens okay. in that case? So, for example, if I have $19 in the bank, like you said, right. and I, you know, I go into Bank of America, I mean, not Bank of, sorry, Best Buy, Home Depot, and I swipe 5000 here, 10000 there, 5000 here. Okay, if the, ba- if the attorney turns around and says, all right, you had no intent <coughs> to pay off this debt, what happens there? Um, so within the bankruptcy, what can happen is they can um, request that the judge to not let you discharge the debt that is owed to them. So you basically, you're screwed at this point. You're well, basically treading in water. Right. So either they will, most likely we just make a deal. Okay. So, but what they have to do is they have to file a complaint within the bankruptcy court. <clears throat> Excuse me. And essentially they're telling the judge, judge, we're able to prove fraud and we don't care about everybody else, but do not let him discharge this $19,000 that he owes to us. So oh. you will come back out of bankruptcy. Everything else is gone, but you'll still owe that bank $19,000 because you committed fraud. Now, the best solution to that is we just make a deal. Once I get one creditor, one creditor emailing me, you know, and look, we all know each other. Okay, so they see my name. They just call me. Sevan, we have a couple of suspicious charges. I'll say, how much is it? $9,000. And I, I'll tell them, I say, you can't prove your case, whatever, yada, yada. But I'll call the client. I'm going to say, they're going to come. They're going to make a big deal. So why don't we just agree to give them $4,000? Mm, like uh, a so debt settlement. Kind of like a separate debt settlement, but nobody else knows about it. So the bank is like, all right, we'll take 4000 and not come and complain about the 19000 because they're taking a risk too. So my client will just sign something saying he'll pay back 4000 not the full 19000 And then not pay that either. Right. No, 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 that uh, you would have to pay. Because <laughs> at this point, it's like kind of like, uh, you know, the debt collector or whoever it is, Best Buy or uh, Home Depot, it's like, okay, at least we're getting four. We're not getting the 19, right. at least we're getting four. It's guaranteed. Right. Or and it's hopeful, guaranteed. hopefully guaranteed. Right. No, it, it is guaranteed because you, he's going to be relieved of having to pay everybody else. He, he only has to worry about you now. Yeah. Because if, if they do file a complaint, that's going <clears> to <throat> raise more noise, which could make right. other creditors right. start maybe ones that maybe never even did that due diligence to go through the uh, bank statements or the credit card right. statements. They may end up doing right. that, right? To find yeah. other expenses that could be, you know, F word as well. Right. So when it comes to collections, you mentioned collections. How? Because the the question always arises: Well, how much debt do I need to have before it's worth filing a bankruptcy? Should I do it for eight thousand dollars of debt, even though it's all relevant? Eight thousand dollars to some people could take right. them twenty years to pay off. To somebody, they could pay it off in a week. Right. Um, so, at one point, do you recommend uh, considering a bankruptcy as an option? Uh, and also with with regards to the collections as far as or or maybe answer that and then we'll get into the collections and how long it stays on your credit and you know right. and then you know they get sold to others and all that we'll, we'll get there into is all no that. limit um there is no limit of what you need to have in order to file bankruptcy so it's all relative and sometimes the clients do ask me they go oh seven i only have twenty two thousand dollars is that enough i'm like look it's it's, it's enough to you okay so I've had clients that had to file bankruptcy for $3,000 of debt. 
And I mean, in my mind, obviously, I'm like, you know, come on, man, it's 3000. But I can't say that because 3000 to this person right. is a lot of money. And they're like, I can't. I'm like, is there any way we can settle? And he goes, I have no money. Okay. I had another client that we recently got a discharge for. It was uh, $998,000. It was the most I've ever discharged for one person. He had a business that failed. So <clears throat> tax debts, et cetera. So close to a million dollars lighter. Everybody's different. A general ballpark is somewhere between forty to seventy thousand dollars of debts, and that can come from a variety of sources. So there is no magic number. It's, I would say, whatever is a pressure point for you, because maybe it's just ten thousand, mm-hmm. but you have a collection company that's suing you, and they're putting a lot of pressure. We're going to sue you. We're going to garnish your wages. So if you feel pressure, then it would be the time to think about filing. Because if they get a judgment, they're going to start garnishing your wages and put a lien against your house. So. Is it better to, if you know beforehand, let's say you have a $10,000 debt, if you know beforehand you're not going to be able to pay it, is it better to actually stop making payments, get into, like to show distress, financial distress before filing a BK, or is it better not to have those late payments on your credit when you're filing? No, I always recommend to my clients, if you're really thinking about filing bankruptcy, then stop paying them. Stop paying the bastards, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, well, yeah, I, I should right. You're not making your life easier. It's right. like you're, you're going to eventually, you know, you're going to give it all up. It's like, right. why would you continue paying? No, no. What I'm saying is, let's say today you decide I have 10000 in debt. I can no longer pay. Should I file, consider BK or yeah. stop paying it to show <clears throat> distress before I actually file the BK? You, you, you don't need to stop paying to show distress. You can just file now. Uh-huh. Um, but I usually tell people, you know, if Stop making the payments. And when you're ready to file, then call me and, you know, I'm, I'm here. So sometimes people have not been paid for three months, have not been paying for three months. They're getting a lot of phone calls, phone mm-hmm. calls, phone calls. And, like, I can't take it anymore. I'm being sued. And sometimes the clients are like, I actually made the March payment. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, you know, that's too bad because it's we're going to file the bankruptcy, you yeah. know. So um, usually the calls I get, I tell them, if you're really, really thinking about it, then stop making the payments. So, and then... It doesn't. It doesn't change the outcome once no. it, it's discharged. In terms of, well, now your credit is also showing late payments aside from a BK. But but that'll all go away. So even the late payments disappear yes. from your credit. All of that. Yeah. W- once you get the discharge, the credit report updates and it says a bankruptcy discharge. And it, uh, if the creditor does not update, okay, and they're still showing the the red boxes and you're late, that's actually another um, federal law violation under the uh, FDCPA. So. Because credit reports have to be accurate. Yeah. So, um, and I always tell my clients, hey, 30, 40 days after the bankruptcy is gone or discharged, um, look at your credit report. If you see Capital One still reporting late payments, let me know so we can go after them again, you know, because they're not supposed to be doing that. It's supposed to be all be cleaned out. Mm. So there is, no, and sometimes I do tell people, wait, we're not going to file now. Please go and continue to make some minimal payments. And those are the ones that have charged something extravagant in the last 30 days. Oh, I just bought, you know, this, I don't know, $6,000 of debt. I said, well, that intern's going to look at it. If you want to show I had the intent to repay, go mm-hmm. make the minimum $25 a month payments and then come to me three yeah. months later. Because at that time, if they say something, hey, he made some payments to you. He didn't just run to bankruptcy, you know? So mm-hmm. sometimes I do encourage some payments. Yeah. But obviously, <laughs> he has to have money in the account in order to, like, let's say, for example, you were saying, you know, the minimum payment. Let's say, mm-hmm. you know, Bob has $100,000 in the account and he accumulated 300,000 
dollars worth of debt, but he's continued to make the minimum payments. He decides to file for bankruptcy. Is that when they'll actually look at it and be like, "Well, you have a hundred thousand dollars in liquid asset or liquid in in cash." Um, will they seize any of that money, or it's kind of just like, you know what? No, um, yeah, bankruptcy is bankruptcy, and you could keep your hundred k, and the three hundred thousand is going to be wiped out. Right. So if you file the chapter eleven or thirteen, not a seven, you you can you can keep all that cash. Okay. okay. Um, but what's what's the exchange? Okay. A lot of people say, "Well, wait a minute. If I do have these assets." And I have the hundred k, you know. What's the catch for filing a thirteen? Well, it's a five year repayment plan. Chapter seven is ninety days. Quick, you're done, yeah. and you're out. So, but if you do have these assets, the law says it's only fair for us to put you on a payment plan, and you pay back a small portion of the debts, not all of it. You know, um, sometimes it's all of it, but generally it's a small portion of it. And then, because l- l- let's get you to pay ten percent, and then the na- the other ninety percent will be discharged. So. So with the yeah. seven, they'll actually come after your the money you have in your bank. Yes, if it's not protected. Wow. Yeah. Now there's ways to, you know, fix that. So, I mean, what I tell clients is to take cash. You know, generally cash you can keep about thirty thousand. So I tell them go pay what's called secured debts. If you have a mortgage, go pay down the mortgage seventy thousand dollars. Use that cash and pay that down. You know, so then when you file bankruptcy, it's all I have is thirty thousand now that, yeah. I, that you can't take. Well, where's the other seventy thousand? I paid it to the bank. That's against my house. Okay, well that's fine. Th- they don't they don't look at that as you kind of orchestrated orchestrated in a um, sense. I think what you want to say is uh, fraudulent transfers. So um, you say it better than I do. Yeah, thank. You. <laughs> <Orchestrated>. <laughs> um, no, you know how you can. Yeah, go, yeah no, it's, uh, I get what you like. Mean. When people do uh, intentionally done, basically, right? Yeah, people will do a quick claim all of a sudden, right before they get divorced or something like that. Like as if if nobody's going to look at that, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, (laughs) it's and 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 to the viewers, uh, I please, I always get a phone call. You know, oh, what do you have? Oh, I have a, I have a house and four Ferraris. You know, can we can we Uh, switch one of the Ferraris for a Lamborghini, please? He's a Lambo guy. Okay, sure. So four for our let's say four Lamborghinis. And I tell them, and, and, I, and I tell them, I say, sorry, Arno, you can't file. You have four Lamborghinis. And I say, you could do it 11 or 13. No, I don't want to go on a payment plan. So, and I say, okay, well, they're going to take it away. Okay, fine. You leave and you call me back next week. Seven, I'm ready to file. Damn it, Arno, what part of you can't? Oh, I don't have the Ferraris anymore or the Lambos. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, where is it? Oh, it's easy. I, I, I gifted it. Uh-huh. I gifted it to my brother, so it's not I'm not on title anymore. And I'm always like, look, you know, don't you think somebody has already figured out a solution to this? You know? <laughs> they can just reverse. Right. Or it's like, do you think you're the first one to right. say, oh, I do have a house, but I gifted it to my mom last week. So, no, Sevan, I don't have a house. So do you know what this reminds me of? I swear. It's like we're in the process of purchasing a home. They go and lease a car. Uh-huh. And he goes, I didn't buy it, though. I leased it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Whose name is it under? Well, it's under my name. Okay, so when they pulled credit and the loan, whose name is it under? It's under my name. So, okay, are you paying it? Yes, but it's not my car. Whose car is it? It's my brother's. Okay, whose name is it? It's the leasing company's car. It's like, but (laughs) who's... Okay, so well, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a tax write-off. It's, no, you, so you leased a car for your brother under your name, and you created debt for yourself. Is that correct? Yes, but the car is not mine. It's a lease. Is there a loan <laughs> under your name? Yes. So basically, you created debt for yourself. Yeah, but the, it's a lease. It's like do you, they don't get it. They yeah. it's just the, it just well, doesn't a, process. A lease yeah. is uh, most people don't understand what a lease is. They think it's free. Oh. Well, the business is paying for it. It's free. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, my client went and I saw, oh God, man. He went and he leased a brand new Range Rover. This is a couple of years ago. A brand new Range Rover Jeez. for his wife. It was a week and a half before closing. And underwriter caught it. He goes, you got to pay it off. So I call him up. I go, hey, buddy, how's it going? He goes, good. I'm like, I'm like, everything's good. He goes, yeah, yeah, everything's good. I'm like, can you do me a favor? I'm like, he's like, what is it? I'm like, remember when I told you don't do any large transactions while we're in escrow? He goes, yeah, what about it? I go, well, why did you go and put yourself into a $1,400 uh, lease? He goes, yeah, but it's a lease. I'm like, I understand it's a lease. But I'm like, Why'd you do it? I told you don't do any big transactions, oh no God. furniture. No. He's like, yeah, but it's just, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not a we big deal. A I'm like, okay, now this is what you have to, I'm like, why did you lease? He goes, well, we're getting, we were getting a new house, so I decided to get a new car so we can go into the new house and, you know, oh, sell geez. I'm like, all right, so this is what you have to do now. You're going to go and pay off that car in order for us to close escrow on the house. Yeah. And he goes, where am I going to get that much money? I'm like, figure it out. I'm like, he, he's like, well, I got the car for my wife. I'm like, well, congratulations. Go tell your <laughs> wife, here's your new car. And unfortunately, the house didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They go yeah. borrow money from other people, pay off the car, basically. You, you just summarized every Monday morning of my life. Ah, there you <laughs> go. That, you know. Happy Monday, everybody. Like, like a, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And, and that's actually, when, when you talked about wife, that's, but just to wrap up the fraudulent transfers, yeah. there's a four-year look-back period for oh. fraudulent transfers. If you file bankruptcy today, mm-hmm. they can look back four years to see, did you transfer any assets and what did you get in exchange? Oh, wow. So they go back that far. Yeah. Right? And they can actually go back. Um, it's kind of complicated. They can go back more, more up to seven years. Okay? Why is so, that? Um, if it's complicated but let's just say we can look back in your life seven years so a lot of people when they're like oh I've, I've heard about this you know let me plan it out so i will gift the house to mom now wait two and a half years and go file bankruptcy well you're still within that look back period and the trustee from the court can come and go sue mom Ooh. get the house back into your name and then go sell it so you got to be mm. careful when you're trying to do these um smart uh planning so um and when you mentioned the wife so many calls i get Oh, my God. Do you have a home? No. It's under my wife's name. <laughs> well, California is a community property state. Do you know that half that house is yours? It, it's not. No, it's under my wife's name. Yeah, but half of it is yours. Even you know, if they're not legally married? Um, well, no. So wife, so you have to be legally married. Um, and I'll talk about how, what question um, you, I think, were trying to ask is, um, but essentially, Should you get married or not? Uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm not answering that. So, but essentially, just because something is under the spouse's name does not not make it yours. It is still yours. Yeah. Okay, so I get so many questions. It's not under my name. I don't care if you're married. It's it's it is. Even still, if there's a quit claim deed. Yeah. See. Yeah, it's still well, your property. Even if you're, but. Even if you're, uh, when you say quick claim deed, are you referring to when the spouse signs That's away her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically stating her, that, you know what? Okay, here's the thing. If you and Ani purchase a property right. together and you're married and Ani signs off a quick claim deed stating that Armund is the sole owner of this property, the title will state Armund Garibian as a married man, as his sole and separate right. property. But you purchased it during, while you were married. But... Right. If you bought a property six years ago and you were not married to Ani right. and you purchased it on the on the as deed, it's going to say a single man as his sole and separate property. That's the difference between... So at that point, even though she signed away title rights, 
during bankruptcy. You purchased it during. She still held liable. Well, no, he's uh, saying something else. Um, so th- th- that's a good point. If you if you quit claim the asset over, it's you know under family law, it's called a transmutation. If you give it over, um, and you go file bankruptcy, you have to disclose that. Okay, you have to disclose that, and the question will come up: Is look, it's not a fraudulent transfer if you received what's called reasonably equivalent value for that transfer. So if you gave the house to mom last week, what did you get in exchange? Oh, I got $500,000. Great. That's not a fraudulent transfer. If you got nothing, that's a problem. So if you quit claim to your wife, the question will be, well, what did you get in exchange for that? Did you get the Camry? Well, that's not an equal transfer. No, no, no. But let's say if you're buying a house for a different purpose. For example, you're buying a house with a friend uh, as as an an investment. investment. Yeah. And it's not... You're not doing it under an LLC because of whatever reason, but your wife is signing off the title to you, but you're a married man, and your friend is not. So the title is, let's say, me and Arno are co-owners of the property. For example, both of our, let's say both of our wives have signed off on title. Him and I are single, uh, married, married men uh, as joint um, owners of the property. How, if, if, if one of our wives decide to file bankruptcy, is is our property considered an asset within their bankruptcy filing, or yeah, that's even a, though they had signed off uh, all title to to their husbands, right? So again, when when that ha- so you're <clears throat> saying if the wife goes files bankruptcy, then correct? Okay, so she would have to disclose. I quit claim this to Armand. You know, right. I, ge- I gave that property for him and um, Arno to have it. Well, okay, what did you get in exchange? Why did you do that? Okay, so that's question number one, because. The law says you were in kind of insolvent. So was this a plan, you know, to come and say, I don't have any property. It's all my spouse's separate property. The second question is, what money are you and Arno using to pay for that property? If you're using community funds to pay for that mortgage, okay, then it's presumed that the community between you and your wife is Mm -hmm. the, has an asset. So whenever they say, oh, it's not title's not under my name, I say, well, what money are you using to pay for the mortgage? Well, it's my, I work. I'm like, great. That's community funds you're using to pay that that debt. So basically, let's look at it this way. If you get, for example, that audit situation happens, Mm -hmm. if a single payment is taken out of, for example, if Armand and I purchase a property, if a single payment is paid from mine and my wife's uh, bank account, that's a red flag. It's it's a, right, it's community. Now, the argument will be made that she has gained a, let's say, a 0.01% interest in this property because you used community funds to pay for that mortgage. If you want to keep it separate, you have to use separate property, which is property that you had before the marriage or you received it you know, as a gift, whatever this and that, or it was tr- you know, transmutated. Your wife gave it to you as this is now your separate but property. But even if, you, if Armand and I are purchasing the property um, in the beginning, and in the beginning, during escrow, quick claim deed is signed. As in, it's not... Yeah, there was no intention for our wives yeah. to be involved. It's in a business beginning. transaction uh, from day one. Yeah, no. Wow. Your, your wives aren't... How could your wives not be involved? Well, they signed the they quick, quick claim. Yeah, they released it's, their it's, interest. It's not like as in like, okay, you know what? We're six years in, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit hit the fan. Here, honey, sign this quick claim deed. Yeah. It's more of like, okay, you know what? Armand and I are doing business. Sweetheart, sorry, but this is between him and I. Um, we're we, showing we, intent we, yeah. that it was a business transaction. None of neither one of us lived there. It's being rented out to Joe Schmo, and right. yeah. we're dividing the uh, rental income. Right now, look, 
nothing is ever you know black and white. So whatever I'm yeah. saying, it's not. Oh my God, you can't do it. Obviously, it's done. People right. do it. So it just has to pass. You know that that like the smell test. Okay. Yeah. So if what you did, it's fine. But if your wife goes and files bankruptcy, you know, two months before you guys bought the property, it's hey, that kind of uh, looks fishy. It yeah. kind of looks odd. You know, it seems like you guys quit claim this and did all this in order for her bankruptcy to avoid listing mm-hmm. your So property. they go through this with a very fine comb. Yeah. And it usually takes a uh, pissed off creditor, like a bank that's owed a lot of money or a former business partner um, to make your life difficult. Now, the trustees, they rely on whatever information you put on the bankruptcy papers, which is um, you know sworn under oath. This is true yeah. and correct. Oftentimes, people think, well, if I don't tell Sevan I own a condo in Tahoe, he won't know. We don't have to list it. Nobody will know. I always tell people, um, if the trustee were to find out, you know, first of all, you can go to jail for lying uh, on the papers. And two, that asset will be taken from you and liquidated, and you won't see a dime of it. Um, so, but also, most of the other time is if you have an ex-spouse, former business partner that is owed money, they will look through your bankruptcy papers, you know, especially if they're owed money, you're trying to discharge them. They're going to look through your bankruptcy papers. I'm sure you guys know each other very well. So if one of you files bankruptcy, owes the other one money, you know, you're going to go through and say, wait a minute, he didn't list his four Ferraris, mm-hmm. you know, um, back to the Ferraris. Again. Right. I'm sorry. Or, or the Lambo. <laughs> or he didn't list this. He didn't list, you know, this, this podcast yeah. or, or why is not? It's, it's an asset, you know. So um, you would contact the trustee and say he didn't list an asset. Mm. And it's all uh, it's a sham. You're uh, up it's, a creek without a paddle. It's basically disclose, 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 exactly. disclose. You have to disclose. And and look, if I feel that the client is not telling me the truth, I I want to help them. I'm like, you're not being because who are they going to blame? You know, when when the things go sour. Hey, you're the attorney. You know, why don't you tell me? So you have to disclose everything, even if it's not in your name. You know. Um, it's, it can get pretty serious, and you don't want to risk it. But you're not held liable for anything as far as if they don't disclose it properly, right? Um, you can be held liable if you didn't ask the right questions. And um, so, for example, life insurance policies. I tell them, are you a beneficiary of somebody else's life insurance policy? Oh, well, my parents have life insurance. Great. Are, are you the beneficiary? Yes. Well, in case one of your parents dies, you're going to be receiving a lot of money. That's an asset. Yeah. We have to list it, even if you're not going to get it anytime soon. Um, when I deal with uh, real estate agents that need to file, I ask them, Have you, are you going to close escrow anytime soon? Oh, yes, I'm going to close escrow in 45 days. Great. Your rights to that commission is money that you are owed now. So we have to list it as a right to earn a commission now to be able to protect it. Mm-hmm. Because if you get a commission after the case is closed, the trustee will say, why don't you disclose, disclose that commission? And, even uh, though the escrow could, could belly right. up. It e- could even it could be much through. later, right. Even if it didn't go through. Or okay. even, you know, back to Christina's question, the PI case. Yeah. You know, maybe that PI case, you're going to get a settlement three years from now. You have, you have to disclose it now. So, so let's get to a couple more questions here. Uh, well, thank you, Arno, for the suggestion. He's suggesting opening a, uh, starting a GoFundMe page to get a new banner. <laughs> Hey, Arnold, if you own a business, we'll, we'll gladly <laughs> put it up here, man. Well, Arnold actually <laughs> works for uh, Godprint. He's one of their, uh, uh, what's it called, the UI. Oh, he, that's why he's he, giving you shit for it? Yeah, okay. He does sense. UI. He's, he's the manager in charge of UI for the website and everything. Okay. So It's a pretty good sign. Uh, so let's get to uh, Elisa Mars' question. With this new guidelines by the governor, landlord cannot do any evictions of tenants, what if the tenants now take advantage of that and stop paying rent knowing that they cannot be evicted? What can the landlord do? 
Um, I don't know. I'm not a landlord tenant attorney. I apologize. Um, you got to talk to a real estate attorney for that. Yeah. Okay. So basically, if a tenant is going through bankruptcy, okay. the landlord cannot evict them? Right. Or? So, um, and that happens. Uh, the, the eviction process will be temporarily put on hold. So one thing that the bankruptcy does is it, it stops a lot of things. So if they're going through an eviction, if you file a bankruptcy, the eviction can be temporarily stopped. Now, I use the word temporarily because the landlord can come to the bankruptcy court and say, look, we have a right to evict this tenant okay, mm-hmm. and to kick him out. Now, what they can't do is to come after you for the unpaid rent. But the landlord has the right to evict you. Mm-hmm. you know? So, sure, you can get, by filing a bankruptcy, you can probably get another 45-day delay. But they will eventually come to the bankruptcy court and request uh, permission to continue with the eviction. But they cannot sue you or to come after you with a with back payment. That, ah, that, interesting. that, that so is discharged. Here it says, a tenant could easily stop an eviction by filing Chapter 7 or 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll stop. Um, it'll stop until the landlord comes to the bankruptcy court and says, can, can, I, can I go back and continue the eviction? Because mm-hmm. I want my property back. Bankruptcy will not say, I'm sorry, landlord, you can't get your property back. No, they have a right to um, evict and kick them out. But you do not have the right to uh, ask for back rent. And, and that's another thing. I mean, when my clients say, hey, I'm moving, whatever, you know, I'm like, well, I, I don't tell them don't make the rent, okay, because I don't, I don't want to do that. But if they're owed back rent when they're going to leave, I tell them, don't worry, it'll be discharged. So, Good to know. Yeah. Uh, Ad Keza, or Ad Kaza, I'm sorry, says, <laughs> uh, tell us about the fees. I know some people hesitate thinking about the legal fees. Uh, he says, but you're here. Is it he or she? I'm sorry. I can't it, see it's the It's a she. She. She says, uh, but you're fair and badass. So. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's Adelina. Hi, Adelina. Um, yeah, the fees, uh, they can range. And my fees are generally on the uh, higher side um, than my colleagues. Um, and I do that kind of intentionally because I'd like to avoid, um, I don't want to say bad cases, but p- people are trying to take advantage of the system. So... When it's when it's a higher fee, they uh, they're like, oh, forget it, we'll go somewhere, all right, we'll go, you know. So I don't want to help you anyway. But generally, the uh, Chapter Seven fees can range anywhere from fifteen hundred to like three thousand. So depending on how complicated it is, depending if um, you have a house that we need to protect, if you have a collection lawsuits going, so uh, that would be the typical fee. The uh, court filing fee is three thirty five. So. Um, which sometimes I think it's unconstitutional to charge someone three thirty five to file a bankruptcy, <laughs> right. but that's our court fee. Somebody so. who's insolvent, technically, right? <laughs> the uh, Chapter thirteen uh, fees can be about five thousand, and that's um, that's that reorganization process we're yeah. talking about. Chapter eleven fees are much much more, um, and those are reserved for people that have a lot of assets they need to protect and reorganize. So that can range anywhere from ten thousand. And uh, I've seen them go all the way up to 250000 mm-hmm. So they can get very, very expensive. One of the most expensive ones, and um, if you want to, if you can Google it, um, yeah. the, um, the Lehman, bankrupt- Lehman bankruptcy. Lehman uh, Brothers? Prof- yeah, the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy uh, professional fees. You'll see how much the, uh, the illegal fees were for the Lehman Brothers. It is astronomical. Um, wow. Yeah. Some lawyers made a lot of money. Yeah, $2 billion. Yeah, two two billion dollars for legal and legal professional fees. fees and the league and the Lehman's bankruptcy. So 
Yeah. Well, the illegal fees can get high in a bankruptcy. Um, now, sometimes people <laughs> ask me, which is the million dollar question, which is such a pet peeve question for mine, um, is, well, if someone's filing bankruptcy, you how, know, do you, how do they pay you? How do they pay you? Yeah, that's what I was about you to know? ask. I mean, not yeah. to get into your financial status and stuff, but it's like, okay, if he's filing for how the hell do you get paid? Right. So we're talking about the 335 fee. <laughs> so look, when, when people are going through a financial hardship, they have, they are not paying some people. Okay. So if you're not paying your credit card companies, you have an extra $800 a month and, oh, seven, I haven't paid my credit cards for three months. Oh, great. So I know you have a $2,400 <laughs> saved up. Now I'm, I'm not doing it to tell them, okay, well pay me 2,400, but right. generally people have money saved up. They'll either borrow money from family um, what you can't do, okay, you cannot charge my legal fees on the credit cards we're going to discharge, okay? So um, one time I got tricked because of that. I'm like, okay, this is not your card, right? And I checked the name, whatever, like, no. And um, Anyway, it's a long story. But then the credit card company called, and they said, did you know that you charge your clients uh, bankruptcy on your fees on, on the card that you're discharging, you know? Oh, so, shit. and uh, wow. I'm, like, I'm like, what? So I called the, the client. I'm like, you know, hey, you saw, you know. Because so, you can get in trouble for that, right. basically. It's right. kind of like, uh, at this point, it's like conflict of interest. Yeah. Right. So um, those are the fees. And generally, where they get the money from is they have money saved up. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, like most of my clients have an like operating business. They have a massage business. So they have money saved up. And um, my clients come in like waves. They'll call me for the consultation. And I, I always get free consultations. They'll call me and I tell them, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, okay. And then they wait three, four months. They gather the money and then they call me. So, and in that meantime, we are, you know, trying to plan for the bankruptcy. So, so payment is up front before even the case is even open or the filing is even open. Right. So the uh, Chapter 7 bankruptcy, the illegal fees have to be paid before the case is filed. And that's not my rule. That's the uh, bankruptcy code. Because the idea is that if I'm not paid and I am owed money after you file bankruptcy, then I become a creditor against you. And there's a conflict of interest. So mm-hmm. um, the attorney can't be a creditor against you, obviously. So that's why we have to be paid um, before the case is filed. Um, the Chapter 13 and 11s, those the code does allow for the payments to be paid over time because it's substantially more. So, um, but anyway, that's how that works. Omar has a question about uh, President Trump. He says, when people talk about Trump cheating the system and he responds with, I was well in within the law right. using legal loopholes. What loopholes is he talking about? Right, so... You know, when, when people use the word loopholes, um, it, it just means they know the law very, very well. Okay, so someone could say the tax deductions we take, you know, on Schedule C of our taxes, I have a business, I deduct, you know, advertising. That's a loophole. You know, I'm not paying for that. It's a deduction. So loopholes are essentially an area of law that a lot of people don't know about, you know. But if you know it and if you're able to use it, you know, why not? So I agree with President Trump and that if these are the laws and i'm not breaking the laws what am i doing wrong here it's just i'm i just got somebody that knows how to do this and i'm and i'm using it so you know his companies those are separate entities those are separate corporations that experience debt problems and he said put this company in the bankruptcy liquidate it and it's gone it's not him filing so um to answer omar's question i, I don't think you know trump is exploiting um any loopholes it's just he got some very smart bankruptcy attorneys. You know, hopefully he hires me one day. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he got some smart ones. They're like, oh, you know, Mr. Trump, you don't need to worry about your own personal assets. This is the company. So, 
And this happens in tax. This happens in immigration. It happens in a lot of places. You know, if you know what to look for and what not to look for, sure. Going back to the example I was talking about, you know, if you do have those four Ferraris, I'll tell you you're going to get rid of them. But if you're smart, I would tell you um, get rid of three of them. Bring me the cash. Let's put it into a, a retirement account that's fully exempt. You know, have I have I done anything wrong? No. That's what the law says. And so, that's not considered falls under the category of uh, no, I guess fraud where no. you're intentionally planning a bankruptcy. No. That's How just long the, can you not touch that account though? Oh, you can't touch it until you retire. I don't know. Was that sixty-five or whatever it is? Because so. I know there's bankrupt. There's uh, there's retirement accounts where, with a small penalty, you can actually right. pull the account. You could pull money from the account. Right. That's the only reason why. So maybe you do it, and um, six months after the case is over, you got your discharge, and you take an early withdrawal. You know, it's like all right, well, it's over. So you know, and I I go pull that money back out of the four hundred one k. Is anyone going to find out? Probably not. Probably not. The case is over. And then, as far as okay, as far as uh, assets is with buildings, um, with uh, let's say for example, you are a a business owner, you own the building, and you have a ton of equity in it. You pull the equity, um, time goes on, and business isn't what it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. and obviously you have a lien against the property. You file for Chapter Seven. Will Will the building actually be safe, or will they come after the building as well? Yeah. So, look, the trustees are interested to sell assets that make sense because they have to sell it in order to get enough money to pay your creditors. The trustee gets a fee too. So, if you were to tell me my property is worth a million and I have a nine hundred and eighty thousand dollar loan against it, that means there's only twenty thousand dollars that's not protected. It's unexempt. So, if me as a trustee, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm going to go sell this building. How do I know I'm going to sell it for a million? What if I sell it for 980? That that only that only leaves, I don't know, 10,000. Yeah. I'm going to do all this work, file all this paperwork with the court for 10,000. I'm not going to do it. So they'll leave your ass you'll right. leave your building alone. Right. But let's say for example you bought it let's say you bought it dirt cheap. Yeah. And right. you you know, you pulled 400,000 on it, mm-hmm. but the building is actually worth 1.5. Right. So now there's a lot of equity. Oh, shit. So they could yeah. actually go after yeah, Under Chapter drop. 7, though. Right. So if you don't want that to, to happen, you file the Chapter 11 bankruptcy. See, so. what, that's what I want to know. I mean, what do you, how do you just how do you know, figure out, okay, do I file for Chapter 7 or Chapter 11? Well, that's what I talk about with people on the phone. Um, that's the whole consultation process. You know, So I ask them, what kind of assets do you have? You know, so if they tell me they have a house, okay? Okay, what's the loan balance against the house? Oh, we owe Nation Star um, $500,000. Okay, how much is the property worth? A hundred thousand, um, not hundred, uh, $600,000. Mm-hmm. So there's $100,000 of equity now in the house. Um, in California, um, if you're single, you have a right to a $75,000 homestead exemption. Married, it's a hundred. Mm-hmm. And if you're um, 65 or older, it's a 175, okay? So what does that mean? Is if someone were to sell your house, um, they have to give you that homestead exemption first, because again, the law is there to design not to make you homeless. Because it's all right. The trustee says I'm going to go sell your house. I get five hundred thousand. He has to pay the bank off at four hundred thousand. He has a hundred thousand dollars left in his hand. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Before he gives it to the creditors, he has to give it to you first, up to a hundred thousand dollars if you're married. So at that time, the trustee says I'm not going to sell your house. There's nothing going to be left over. 
after now if the property is worth a million and there's four hundred thousand dollar loan now we have six hundred thousand dollars of equity at that time he would sell it because from the six hundred thousand dollars he only has to give you the first hundred okay there you go go rent and with the other 500 i'm going to go pay down your debts and i'll give you back the, the balance so whenever my clients tell me they have a house i ask them what's the loan balance against the house and i'll jump on redfin whatever okay if you're let's say the eighty thousand dollars of equity don't worry. We can file Chapter 7. The trustee's not going to sell your house because there's only $80,000 of equity, and you're allowed to keep 100000 So the trustee will say, there's nothing for me to do here. So then what happens to that debt in your home? Then? That, that debt doesn't go away. That debt doesn't go away. You will still owe the bank because they're a secured <clears throat> creditor. Liens don't go away in a bankruptcy. So, But as far as your payment-wise, if you're struggling to make those payments, so in essence, bank could come in and just basically foreclose at that point. Right. So... If your problem is I am behind three months to the bank secured against the house, that's a separate issue. You know? So that's a problem we can solve in a Chapter 13, which you'll be given five years to make up that three months of payments. But if you can't afford the payments, you can't afford the payments. So bankruptcy cannot get in the way of the bank trying to take your house. Okay? Um, they will allow you five years to catch your breath and let me, let me do this. Okay? But... I mean, I've, I've dealt with some clients, and I feel bad for them. They're like, well, I'm, I'm six. I, I, actually, I remember I had a client who hadn't made a mortgage payment for six years. I'm like, six years? That's the, it? Yeah, the, the bank was like asleep. What, what's the longest you've seen? Twelve. Jesus. Twelve years? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Rent-free for 12 years, not 12 bad. Twelve years. Wow. Damn. So six years they haven't been paying. They're like, okay, now the bank has woken up, and uh, they're starting the foreclosure process. And I'm like, all right, well, how much money do you make? Because you're going to have to catch up on these payments. Um, well, I'm currently not employed. I'm like, it's not going to work. You know, uh, I don't think bankruptcy is the option for you. You can't keep the house. Mm. You know, so um, an- another thing, uh, another cool thing that bankruptcy offers is you can actually get rid of liens um, in a bankruptcy if they're underwater. So let's say you have a first mortgage, $400,000, and um, you have a second mortgage for $200,000. You got a HELOC, a home equity line of yeah. credit, $200,000. If the value of the property is below, like the first, so let's say it's a four hundred thousand dollar loan, but your house is now three ninety, mm-hmm. that means the second, that two hundred thousand HELOC is fully underwater. There's no equity to protect it. Yeah. It's fully underwater. In a Chapter Thirteen, you can fully strip that off and get rid of it. Your second, yeah. So this basically the second lien holder is screwed. Yes, you can oh. you can strip them off and. Um, and it's called the strip off. I'm not just saying that to uh, entice yeah. viewers. You know, the, the jacket's not coming <laughs> off, guys. Um, so that's. I mean, that was actually another thing I want to talk about. Is I, I had a client um, who had a second um, at about 120 thousand, and I called the second. I said, "Look, I can strip you off. You know, you are fully underwater. Oh my God, Sevan. Oh no, you know. And um, we, we will fight. You know, the value is not that. So I said, "Look." We'll give you twenty thousand dollars, okay? So because I don't want to get into a fight with them, so that one twenty we reduced that down to twenty. So client saves a hundred thousand dollars. He's very very happy, of course, including vehicles, including vehicles. He had um he, he's got this big um car. Uh, it's a big suburban he uses for you know his own business. Mm-hmm. Um, huge balance on it. Let's say fifty thousand or something, mm-hmm. and. But the value of the car is not that anymore. So in a bankruptcy, you're able to push the value of the loan down to the value of the car as of this moment. So 
I, I told the lender, the car is worth now $22,000. So we got the $45,000 loan balance down to $22,000. It's kind of basically like short sales. What they'll do is, you know, right. the bank will come in, they'll look at the condition of the property. And a lot of times what these, you know, previous homeowners will do is they'll, you know, they'll beat the shit out of the property right. before they leave. Like we've had cases where right. um, they've poured concrete into the sewer line. Oh, jeez. And they've fished out all the electrical wires. And, you know, the bank will come in. They'll be like, all right, is there power? Well, there's no power. Well, let's check the panel. They check the panel. Well, the panel's all there. Well, what do you think it might be? Well, we don't know. You know, bring in an inspector. Inspector comes in, takes the panel off. There's no wiring. They fished all the wires out. <laughs> and that's not illegal? Well, of course it's yeah. illegal. But at that point, it's kind of like, uh, prove I did it. Yeah. I, I vacated the home this at this, ta- at this date. It might have happened after I vacated. It's a vacant home. It's been vacant for three months. Have, have you ever seen the, uh, the the pool where the walls are broken? That, that's another common one. A pool, yeah. You can't basically, you, you can't even purchase a property. Uh, at that point, it's even if it goes into foreclosure and then they want to resell it, right. it has to be a cash transaction. A pool, bank won't uh, bank will not loan? F- the bank will not fund Lend- an empty pool or a broken pool or anything really? like that. Yeah. We had, a, we had an issue like that once where... Um, we we opened escrow and the seller in the process of it was replastering his pool. So the buyer said, and I was representing buyer and seller, and the buyer said, "Listen, don't replaster the pool. I will basically replaster it myself. Kick me back ten grand." Seller said, "No problem, but let's talk to the lender first. Remember this case, right?" So we talked to the lender. Mm. We said, "Listen, this is the situation. Can you fund the loan?" He says. As long as there's a gate around the pool, I'll fund it. I said, okay, gate meaning secured? Yeah, I will fund it. Okay. So we went in, secured a gate with the lock and everything. Oh, man, 25 days into escrow, he turns on, he goes, we need to refill the pool. I'm like, bro, are you kidding me? I'm like, the pool's not even plastered. So, you know, it go, that it goes back to saying, it's like broken pools, destroyed homes, all that yeah. stuff. It's, it becomes issues. It's all red flags. Yeah. I think uh, I think we'll see a lot more coming up soon. You think so? Yeah. Do you see more bankruptcies piling up? In the- um, yeah, I I was tracking my uh, Google business page, and um, I, I usually have in a month about seven hundred people visiting, and in the last three weeks, it shot up to a thousand. So I'm like, oh shit, you know. So yeah, three hundred more people quickly looking and. Um, so I think our economy is kind of uh, tinkering. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully uh-huh. it doesn't. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't. Yeah. Arnold has a question going back to uh, <clears throat> Arnold's in my scenario we brought up. He goes, uh, if Armand's wife files BK and it's paid from Arnold's community funds, is it considered an asset? Um, if your wife files? If my wife files BK and it's paid out of from Arnold's community funds, meaning his and his wife's account. Oh, then no. Is that considered an asset? An asset of her? Of her? No. What, what would be considered an asset of hers is what is your interest in this property? So I think the answer would be no in that situation because it's not related. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Good question. Christina uh, Malian has a question. Isn't there an attorney fee cap in BK? No. Um, there is a uh, reasonableness fee, Christina. So... Um, Meaning the courts do look at what kind of fees are being charged and what services are being provided. So um, you can't 
like for example, I can't say, oh, it's a simple case, you know, you have 10,000 left over, so yeah, it'll be 10,000, no. So those the the trustee would tell you, you know, counsel, how many hours did you spend on this? Why are you charging 10,000? So there's a reasonableness uh, standard that you can be charged. Yep. Um, so yeah. So how how long do these cases normally take? Like a chapter seven, you said 90 days, right? Right, it's so, uh, nine, yeah. So what about like a chapter 11 or a chapter 13? How long do those take? Um, the chapter 13 is a total of five years of payments. Now, in order to get the chapter 13 plan approved by the judge, that can take anywhere from three months to like four months. You have to do a lot of stuff. And once the judge approves the plan, it's approved, you know, go and make your payments and whatever balance is left Mm -hmm. at the end of five years, that's the amount that's going to be discharged. So chapter 11 can take a little bit longer because you have to understand you're dealing with a lot of pissed off people. So someone files bankruptcy, like let's take the gym. You've pissed off a lot of the landlords. So they will come and they will nitpick your case and say, you're not treating the creditors carefully, et cetera. So it can go on for like a year until the judge approves the plan. So it's, it's a lot of uh, deal-making. And that, you know, going back to your original question, what got me into this is bankruptcy is a lot of deal-making. So the debtor's attorney we, who represent people that need to file know a lot of the creditor attorneys on the other side. And all we do, we pick up the phone and this is what we're going to do. You know, is your client cool with this? This is what we're going to do with the second lien. So we make a lot of deals before we even go in front of the judge. Um, it's very respectful. It's a lot of, you know, everybody's pretty smart. You know, they all know how the code works. Um, as opposed to some other areas of law where it's just a lot of chest thumping, you yeah. know, uh, you bastard, I don't care. So um, if, if you know how the game is played, it can be done quickly. So these are all done in front of judges. It's not through mediation or arbitration. <clears throat> no, it's all um, approved by the judges. So you're basically in court most of the time. Um, not that much. Um, you only go to court to get formal um, things approved. So, But generally, it's a lot that's done in the background. And oh, and then it's sent to the judge for right, review? Sent and to then... the judge, and the judge says, oh, there's no objections. You know, everything is settled. Yeah, there's no objections because I made a deal with, you know, Toyota Financial. This is what I'm going to do with your claim. And they're like, all right, we're, we're cool with that. So they're not going to object. judge says, okay, great, plan approved. So, so in essence, the judge is basically kind of like the middleman. You send it to them. They'll review it. They'll send it to... Uh, the debt collector or whoever it is that they owe, they'll give the approval, send it back to the judge, judge gets back to you again. Uh, no, just think of the judge as the as the last step. So you do everything before. Um, so, and if we're talking about the chapter 11, 13, the more complicated Yes, matters. those are the ones we're talking about. Right, so those will be done. So the judge is essentially waiting to see what plan you propose. Um, in a In a chapter 11, your creditors get to vote on what your plan is. So let's say my plan is this is what I'm going to do, this is how much I'm going to pay IRS, whatever. That plan gets sent out for voting, and the creditors have a right to vote yay or nay. So the judge is waiting to see how long it's going to take you, whether you're following the rules, you know, um, are you allowed to do this and not. So, um, And then at the end, the judge slams the hammer and says, this plan is within the limits. It's approved. So go yeah. ahead. So, so. In, in essence, basically... The the further back you are as far as the lien holder or the debt collector, if you're the fourth, fifth, sixth person, there's a possibility you might not even get paid. Right. Um, the order of distribution of who's going to get paid first is secured creditors are always paid first. Okay. Secured creditors are individuals who are secured against collateral. So the bank is secured against your house. Car guy is mm-hmm. secured against your car. Next order is priority creditors. So priority are essentially Congress said, look, um, before the 
unsecured creditors, the credit card companies get money. We need to be sure these priority creditors get paid first. And who are they? Um, child support payments, if you owe any money to child support, taxes. And uh, sure enough, in that group is also the legal fees. Okay, So Lehman Brothers attorneys, so when there's money that comes in, let's say $5 billion comes in, Okay, the first group is the secured creditors. Great, we have $3 billion left. Who gets next? Okay, taxes, legal fees. Hey, general unsecured creditors, we have $800,000 left that we're going to split between all of you. So they're going to get 2% on the dollar. Um, and in a Chapter 11, those unsecured creditors at the bottom are watching what the attorneys are doing because the more time you're spending over here, the more you're racking up money mm-hmm. and the less we're going to get. So you'll see a lot of fights mm, vertically. It's all about money. Um, Christina had another question. Should BK clients inform their accident attorney that they are filing for BK? And will it affect their accident case settlement funds? Uh, Yes, that's a great, great question, Christina. Um, So, yes, you do need to always disclose um, whether you're going to be filing bankruptcy. So, And if your client files a bankruptcy, um, so they come to you for a PI case, but you know they're going to file bankruptcy. So they need to disclose this potential lawsuit in the bankruptcy. Now, most of the, I would say 90% of the time, it'll be fine, okay? The bankruptcy will end, you know, you continue with the PI case, and your client will get the money. So, but you have to understand, if the, if the lawsuit is progressing, so let's say you're in the middle of this lawsuit, let's say it's a landlord-tenant, PI case, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So let's say you've sued your neighbor, Arno, and um, you're in the middle of the trial, and it, it looks like you're going to win. But for some reason, you need to file bankruptcy. You file bankruptcy, and you disclose this lawsuit I'm going on, and I think I'm going to get a million dollars. The trustee can take over your lawsuit and will step in and say, I'm going to continue this trial and get that million dollars because it's going to come into the bankruptcy so I can pay your creditors Mm. because it's an asset. So a lot of times what PI attorneys are concerned about is, is the trustee going to replace me? Because I am the attorney in the PI case for the client. And if this client goes files bankruptcy, the trustee can call you and say, dear PI attorney, you're being replaced. I'm taking over because I think this case is going to get a lot of money, and I want that money to come into the bankruptcy estate. And basically the PI attorney, it's, is, they're, they're right. kicked out of the case. They right. make nothing? Um, I'm sure the trustee will kick back some kind of fee. I don't want to use the word kickback, but will cut some kind of fee. We'll from accommodate the something, right. and basically pay right. something. So if you have mm-hmm. any kind of lawsuit, employment discrimination. So if somebody files, you know, be ready for the trustee to step in and say, "Sorry, you're fired. I'm going to continue this lawsuit." Who the hell are you? I'm the trustee. But and the you- trustee has their own attorney. Yeah, and then the trustee will hire their buddy <laughs> bitch. to go and continue. So what if, uh, I mean, usually those bigger cases, let's say if it's a you know, half a million, million dollar case, that means the individual was actually probably hurt, sometimes maybe even right. paralyzed, which means they can never go back to work. Right. If the trustee takes over and takes that money and pays the creditors, how is that client supposed to survive? Right. So, and, and this is why you should always disclose possible claims. Because if you disclose, I, I have a potential PI claim, there's an exemption that you can use to protect a lot of those um, future proceeds if you were to settle to help you get Mm -hmm. back on your teeth. Hey, I need $200,000 for the next. Okay, great. You should be able to select that exemption and protect it. Um, If you don't list it, you've you've lost the right to uh, protect that lawsuit. So to answer your question, if I'm going to go file bankruptcy, I think I have a potential PI claim. I'm going to tell the bankruptcy attorney list it and exempt it up to $300,000. 
So mm-hmm. later, if we do get $500,000, the trustee has to give me $300,000. So you are able to exempt and protect potential settlements from PI cases. Well, as, as she's, Christina says, I believe a PI attorneys have a statutory lien on a case, like right. medical liens. Right. What if they, she's asking also, what if they don't disclose it? Is there a database to search or uh, if the client doesn't disclose it? Yeah, there is a database. Um, essentially, it's you know the uh, court records, and the trustees have access to the court records, DMV records, county recorder's office. Yeah, it's all and, public record, right? So, a lot of you know. But it, it's going to be there if they've already filed it, though. But if it's right. in the process, right, it's not going to be recorded anywhere, right? If if it's in process after you file, okay, so that that's separate. And remember, um, if you don't disclose it. Um, you're taking a big risk because you are now lying under penalty of perjury on your bankruptcy papers. You know, did you have any personal injury lawsuits? No, none. And next week, if you file a PI claim and the trustee doesn't know about it, it's how did you not know last week you had a PI claim? You know, when did you get in the accident? Oh, a month ago. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, come on. You know, but if you got into the accident after the bankruptcy, that's totally separate. That's not, you don't need to disclose it because it came after. So, um, what, what the trustees do, number one, is you disclose your social security number. When they plug in your so- – and look, the trustees work for the Department of Justice. Yeah. Okay, let's start there. They have access to everything. Mm-hmm. So once they plug in um, – and I used to represent trustees when I was at a, a prior firm. So they have access to a lot of these records. They plug in your social security number, your last name, whatever, and all these assets pop up. And they cross-reference with your uh, bankruptcy case. You know, So – Oh, that house is not listed. And then when you go for the interview, they ask you, did you list all your assets? Everything true and correct? Yes. And I've seen this happen many times. Okay. And then they pull out the deed. Okay. Then uh, what is this property in Tahoe with your name on it? Oh, oh, that. You know, oh, well, now it's too late. They're going to go take it from you. Okay. So, and they can deny your bankruptcy discharge because now you made a false oath. Fraud, basically. Right. What so if it's, it's your cousin's property he didn't have credit in? He used your name to purchase it. Oh, yeah. Um, this happens. Um, this happened to me recently where um, I had this elderly client. Mm-hmm. Um, the son in law's, I don't know, wife or something used her name to get the credit to qualify for the loan. She has never seen the property. She knew about it. Had no idea. And this was many years ago. But she was on title. And I, I asked her, I said, you know, Do you have any real estate? No, never, nothing. Okay, fine. And then I filed. Then I get a letter from the, the bank. Um, I think it was a, uh, Mr. Cooper or something. Uh, on BI for your client, we can do a loan mod. And I'm like, what loan mod? She oh, has no shit. property. I'm like, why are you sending this to me? So I call them. They go, yeah, she has a property. You know, It's in a different state. I'm like, oh, my God. I call her. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? She goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. So what happened was they used her credit to get oh. this link and her name. Well, guess what? The trustee has no idea what's going on. All they know is you had a property. You didn't disclose it on your bankruptcy papers, and I'm going to go take your house. They don't care. Well, you if could, you have a good explanation and, you know, like. You could prove that it's. Can you, uh, yeah, see, what I'm curious about is, okay, let's say it is under, you know, Barbara's name, for example. Right. But Tom has been making the payments for the past 10 years. Can they basically, is that something where yes. they. Yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, and l- l- let me give you even a scarier example, okay? So for the viewers who are a joint tenants or tenants in common with uh, people. So joint tenants, essentially, let's say us three, we go, let's go invest in a property. Joint tenants, one-third, one-third. If I go file bankruptcy, my one-third interest in our property in Glendale 
will be included into the bankruptcy. And the trustee can come and sell not only my one-third interest, but your interest too. Because in order to get, let's say, my one-third is worth $100,000. Well, how is he going to get $100,000? He needs to go sell the building. Mm-hmm. But guess what? You guys are going to get letters saying, I'm the trustee. I'm selling Sevon's one-third. Who the hell are you? Well, Sevon filed bankruptcy last week. Can we buy you out? Yeah. So the trustee will say, either you guys give me $100,000 to buy my interest mm-hmm. out on behalf of Sevon, or I'm going to go sell this Glendale property, and there's not a damn thing you could do about it. Mm-hmm. You guys will get your we'll one-third. Get you guys will get okay. your one-third. But... No, I don't want to sell. We're getting, oh, yeah, well, tough luck. Hmm. Interesting. You know, so be careful of uh, who you are joint tenants with on a property and whether they're going to file bankruptcy in the future. Now, uh, see, for example, if, if you were to fail to disclose something, and for example, um, let's call it a lawsuit, a PI mm-hmm. lawsuit, for example, and the lawsuit drags on for, let's say, two years, three years, which it's happened before, mm-hmm. and but you file for bankruptcy, BK goes through, but then three years later, uh, your PI case finally settles and they pay you out. Is there a statute of limitation as far as for them to come back and... No. There isn't. If, no. So if it takes three years, you know, the, the, the trustee will tell you, well, okay, I'm going to let you continue this. I, I noticed that you have exempted up to $30,000, mm-hmm. which is fine. But let me know uh, eventually when it settles. And then th- and the trustee will calendar it. Every year we'll send, you know, is the case settled? Not yet, not yet. Oh, okay, we eventually settled it. It was for um, $200,000. Great. You know, give me the balance. Wow. Because so in real estate, the statute of limitation is 10 years. Right. So with bankruptcy, they don't care. 10, no. 15, 20. If, if it takes that long. Now, look, um, most of the time, they don't care. Okay, so if it's like a small PI case, you've exempted a lot of it. They're like, all right, forget it. I, I don't want to know anything else about it. Next, you know, so you're done. It's only the big, big cases that the trustee knows based on the claim. You know, oh, I have a sexual harassment lawsuit against, you know, Harvey Weinstein or something. Oh, well, that's <laughs> going to be a lot of money, you know. Um, oh, that's going to be a lot of money. So either the trustee will step in and say, I'm going to continue for you or, okay, go continue and keep me updated on how much you guys settle for. And what if you fail to disclose it, you settle the case, and then seven years later they find out about it. Can they come back? Uh, you're up a creek without a paddle. Ooh. You ever heard that saying? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's kind of a more derogatory words, but I'm trying to keep it peachy. But you, you'd be screwed. You always want to disclose your assets, always. even if it's seven years later they find out. Right. Ten years later they find they're all. Right. You're, you're... You can have your uh, discharge revoked. The discharge is the official order that eliminated that. So let me give you a worst case example. The discharge eliminated that forty thousand dollars of credit cards you had. Okay, they're gone. Capital One is gone. Discover is gone. Mm-hmm. If seven years from now you pissed off the trustee by failing to list an asset. He can file a complaint with the bankruptcy judge to revoke your discharge and say he lied. And if we revoke your discharge, guess who's coming after you with pitchforks? Discovering Capital One. And discover. <laughs> and it's not just for 40000 anymore. It's seven years of interest that they've earned on the 40000 You're kidding me. Right. So they're going to come back and say, oh, your discharge has been revoked. Well, guess what? We're back. So not only have you lost your discharge, you know. You got to deal with these guys, but you lost the assets. So what happens in that case? If you're, if you, because here's the thing: you're filing for BK. You have nothing left. And okay, I get it. You made let's say thirty thousand dollars on a PI case, whatever it is. They come back, they'll take your thirty thousand plus interest. But it's like, okay, I have nothing. What do you want from me? Well, hold on. Say say your question again. Let's. You file for BK. Mm-hmm. During the BK process, you get into a car accident and you fail to disclose it, 
the B, BK the BK finalizes. Four years later, the PI case settles. You collect your assets from there. Right. That's that's different. That is separate, it happened separate. after the BK. It happened after the BK. No, so, no, no, no. I'm saying it happened in the process. You opened the PI case during your BK process. Well, no. Look, there's there's only one time, and, and this is important for the viewers, that your assets are determined as of the time of filing. So once it's closed, it's done. Once it's closed, it's done. And once you file... So I think I think I think that, that's closed once you file. Once you file, yeah. So if I file today, my bankruptcy case will be open for ninety days, Chapter Seven. But it's as of right now. Did you have a PI case? So right now, no, I didn't. If I walk out that door and I get in an accident, God forbid, mm-hmm. that is after the bankruptcy that the trustee can't touch that. Okay, so it's it, even though it's a ninety day process. Right. In that ninety days, whatever happens, right? That's fine. Okay, so it has right. to be prior to that. It has to be as of the time of filing. Makes so, sense. So if you got an accident last week, you better disclose a potential PI case. Makes your, sense. Right. So anything happens after, except inheritances. Uh, did I say that right? In, inheritance? Yes. yes. Inheritance. <clears throat> I said it right, yeah. So in, inheritance. So uh, there's actually a law that uh, a bankruptcy code says up to like 180 days after the filing. If you receive an inheritance, you have to let the trustee know because that'll come to the trustee. So, if uh, <laughs> if uh, Uncle croaks <laughs> in the next uh, six months after the case is filed, uh, that becomes property of the state. So, in Ma- in make that- sure the uh, death certificate is 181 days. Right. So, <laughs> it's like it's it's crazy. It's like for example, let's say let's say you. Owe $150,000 in debt, you decide to file for BK. Uncle Krogs, uncle gives you $150,000. You get nothing. You get nothing. Yeah. Now, you can, if, if you have exemptions left over to protect, you can say, look, trustee, I have $20,000 of exemptions I haven't used, so I want to protect some of that, fine. But the rest will go to him to pay the creditors. So I actually have clients, I'm like, oh, you're a, you know, mom is the, the life insurance? Yeah. So, and I always say, how is mom doing, you know? Mom is great. That's enough. Okay, good. I'm like, because if you tell me, you know, mom is in a hospice care, I'm going to say, is she going to be okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm being really serious with them. I'm like, look, I want you to know that if in the next six months, mom dies, and if she has life insurance or inheritance. That's considered inheritance? Yeah, if, if, if it comes to you. Really? Right. If it comes to you, they're going to say, the trustee will say, great. You know. And again, just think about this policy that that's, that's essentially extra money for you. You know, We're letting you get a fresh start, but it would be unfair for you to get $300,000 from uncle and you to try to discharge twenty thousand dollars of debt. Inheritance, I understand, but life insurance is different. Life insurance is, right. I mean, they're, in in essence, they're they're paying the insurance company monthly, right. biannual, you know, annually or whatever it is. So it's like if if it's an insurance, life insurance yeah. is, is different, and especially if there's a cash balance in the life insurance. Um, a lot most life insurance policies. Okay, so there's generally two different types of life insurance policies. Um, term life insurance, which mm-hmm. essentially kicks in, you know, when you uh, take the long dirt nap. You know, I, I hate to say that, but, yeah. it's, but it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I say that a lot. So, um, and then there's whole life where there's cash balance, and sometimes they're like, "Well, most clients don't know." I'm like, "Well, go check." You know, how the hell don't you know? You know, so they check. Oh, yeah, there's eighteen thousand dollars of cash value that you can tell the life insurance company, "I want to take that money." If you can take it, you know, so we gotta protect it in order for it not to be taken from you. So. Oh, most okay. life insurance policies because that's essentially cash because that's bank. not that's not considered exempt investment uh, th- there the is cash an exemption value. for it but you yeah th- there is a cash value life insurance exemption but you have to tell me about it mm. and say Sevan this is a whole life policy there's a cash balance of 9,000 thank you 
we'll list it and we'll protect it. So you disclose it so you can protect it, basically. Right. Disclose, disclose, disclose. Yes. Does it matter if those the inheritance or the assets are in a trust or not? Or the trust at that point doesn't right. protect anything? That is, uh, that, that's a huge, huge question I always get is the assets are not in the name. It's in the name of a trust. Okay. So always ask yourself, who is the beneficiary of the trust? Okay. So if I'm the beneficiary of this trust, then I have a right to this money. Okay. Even if it's not going to be now, would you just have to disclose it? Okay. So you have to disclose everything. Um, transferring assets into a trust before a bankruptcy, same idea as a, as a fraudulent transfer. You can't do that. Um, so what if I have, let's say I'm involved in the bankruptcy. I have money in the trust, but the beneficiary are my kids and they're minors. Right. And, and, and that's fine. So, the question will come up is when did you create that trust? Okay. And there's something called a self-settled trust that the bankruptcy is more concerned about is if you took your money, okay, you're like, Hey, times are rough. I want to protect my kids. I have a hundred thousand dollars. If you create the trust and you transfer that hundred thousand dollars into the trust for the beneficiary of your kids, that's, that can be considered a fraudulent transfer. You know, it's, you took $100,000 of Armon money and put it and gave it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, the question is, what did you get in exchange for that transfer? You know, oh, well, I got a happy feeling though that my kids are taken care of. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not valuable. You know, it's valuable to you. But in the eyes of your creditors, it's not valuable. It's you took money, you put it in the trust so we, so, so we couldn't get it. No, no, I'm not talking about if, if they could prove you did this intentionally. I did it. Today, and then I file bankruptcy five years from now. One is not connected with the other. Right. So the, remember, you, you want to get out of that look-back period. Okay. So generally, the look-back period is four years. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking about doing that, and let, let's just use a real-world example. I had a client who opened up, um, I forgot the name, but it's these bank accounts in a bank that's designed just for children. You know, you are the custodian of right. the money. So um, it's called the Child Minors Act or something. So... My client took $15,000. He created, he goes, it's not my money. It's my kid's money now, which, which it is. It's the kid's bank account. But I told him, I said, who's the custodian of that account? Can, yeah. your, kids, can your kids go get the money? Well, not yet until they're 18. 18. Okay. Can you go get the money now? Well, yeah, I'm the custodian. Great. If you can go get the money, that means your name is on the bank account and you can get, get the money. So if you, can get, get, if you can get the money, that means the trustee can get the money. And the question will be asked is, why did you create this account? And when did you create this account? Okay, so um, timing has a lot to do with this. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, in essence, basically, if you were to open up an account for your child mm-hmm. and disclose, all right, there's $15,000 yes. in this account, but I'm disclosing to you that this money is not my money. I'm the custodian. This is going towards my child's education. In essence, they could actually um, kind of you know, not touch that because right. it's... It's your kids, right. but you have to disclose it. Right. So you it's, need it's to all, disclose it's it. It's all about disclosure, man. Right. If you're gonna, it's, I, I always say it like this, even in real estate, if you're going to ask yourself, should I? The answer is yes. Should I right. disclose this? Should I disclose? It's yes. Whatever you, anytime you're going to question yourself, it's yes. Right. Yeah. I this mean, is one of the few times I think where instead of, what's that term they say, uh, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. Right. This is the old, one of the few times where it's the other way around. Right. It's, Ask for permission. Don't wait to ask for permission. For, yeah. I mean, forgiveness. for forgiveness because you're not going to get forgiven. Right. And uh, depending on which trustee you get, there's generally, I think there's 23 trustees and you're randomly assigned. And they range just like we range as people, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, I, I can be a jerk and you're a very nice person. So, if I get your case 
And if I find out you didn't list your Kobe Bryant signed card, I'm going to think you have a condo in Tahoe that you're not telling me about. I'm going to keep your case open. I'm going to audit you. I'm going to request three years of bank statements. I'm going to make your life difficult. There's others, you know, where it's, you know, oops, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, it's okay. You know, just don't do it again. You know, and then they, they pass it through. So... Again, it's just a lot of you. Just have to look at everything else around it. You know, Dude, um, these uh, these trustees they're they're ruthless, man. Like we when we've dealt with, uh, you know, probates and REO accounts where you know the bank is is who's basically who we're buying it from. There was this one property we, we were purchasing, and I told them like, listen, everything that we're writing down, we need to match it exactly the way we're doing it. So, right. for example, we said we're putting twenty percent down. He turned around. He said, listen, I'm going to be putting 10% down. I said, listen, we can't do that. We need to do 20% down. Well, no, I, I can't. I need to put 10% down because I'm going to put the rest of the money towards the uh, the remodel. I said, bro, you, we sh- you should have told me originally we're putting 10% down. That's what I would have disclosed to the bank and we wouldn't, be in, uh, we wouldn't have an issue. He goes, well, I don't think they'll catch it. What happens? Bank finds out we're, we're putting 10% down during the uh, signing of the loan docs, stops the account, freezes it and says, you know what? We're canceling escrow. Yeah. We had to basically sign another contract, another uh, residential purchase agreement, reopen escrow again at 10% down, and start the whole process all over again. Wow. Inspections, appraisals, all that crap. Everything had to be redone again wow. because dates had to match. I think it's basically the same thing with the trustees. Yeah. I mean, the the trustees for the bankruptcy, they're, they're very smart, and they're generally very nice people, but they know how. And look, they have a job to do. You know, their job is to get money for their creditors. That's their job. You know, so if if we let you get away with a lot of stuff, you know, um, it's the, the system won't work. Okay, so the system is designed, you know, for the trustees to do their job. And you know, I mean, sure, they'll let you get away with a lot of it, but if you fail to list an asset, you know, they're going to say you're here to uh, take advantage of the system. You know, right. so um, yeah. Telma wanted to know how long does BK stay on your credit. Um, generally the bankruptcy will stay, I mean, the, the common rule is 10 years. Okay. So, um, but generally about seven to 10 years is a common, uh, time frame that'll stay on your record. Now, after seven years, I tell my clients, start writing letters to the credit repair, credit, the credit agencies, Euros. Equifax and this and that, and tell them, Hey, take it off. It's been, I'm, I'm making my payments, take it off, take it off. And you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I've seen people take off their, um, the bankruptcy off that credit report after seven or eight years. Um, but the general rule is 10 years. It'll stay on there. But again, just because you have a bankruptcy on your record is not the end of the world. Okay. So you will still be able to get cards and things like that. So I've, I've had clients who are in the six fifties and they have a bankruptcy on the record. So your, your score will go up. I think you could even get a home loan if you file for yeah. BK. It's just your rate might be a little bit higher than everybody else's. You won't have that traditional, you know, conventional rate where it's like 3.7 3.7 well now it's lower but whatever it is but you know you can always refi it again yeah refi it wait another three years refi it whatever it is who cares right as far as collections go um if if it's a collection whether it's through a mortgage lender or a credit card or even a medical bill how how do collections work as far as because you know you hear a lot of these credit repair guys say all we do is we write a letter to the creditor Mm -hmm. there's a statute statute where if they don't respond 30 or 60 days it's automatically deleted or uh from your credit is that true as far as when it comes to credit repair and how important is it to actually 
handle those collections on your credit? Um, that, that's a good question. Let, let me answer it in a, in a little different way. So generally, um, the, the creditors, banks, collection companies, whoever, they have four years to sue you to collect on the credit card debt or any debt. Okay. So, and that time starts when you made your last payment. Mm-hmm. So if it's, no, I'll, I'll ask you, when's the last time you made a payment on your credit card? Oh, it's been three years. Great. If you wait for another one year and they haven't sued you yet, then it's gone. They can't collect against. Uh, they can't collect against you anymore. So mm-hmm. it's gone. Um, it becomes an uncollectible debt. But these collection companies, okay, like Midland Funding, Portfolio Recovery Associates, those are collection companies, and they're very smart. They will look at Chase and Wells Fargo and all the credit card accounts, and they keep track of how late you are. And it's been three years, you know, and Wells Fargo hasn't sued you yet, mm-hmm. you know. The collection company will contact Chase and Wells Fargo and say, hey, um, do you guys know that Sevan hasn't uh, paid you for three years and you guys have one more year to sue him? <laughs> oh, well, we got bigger things to worry about, like creating fake uh, checking accounts, you know, Wells Fargo. <laughs> you see what I did there? Jeez. Okay. So um, uh, there's a great documentary on Netflix. Um, so money, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so the collection company will call you and say, you know, Wells Fargo, you have one more year. Well, instead of you going and doing something seven, sell us the debt and we'll take care of it. So the collection companies buy the debt for 20 cents on the dollar. Then they will immediately sue you and say, we're here to sue you on behalf of Wells Fargo. We purchased the debt and they're just trying to collect their money. So when you say the credit, now the collection company is suing you, is it an actual lawsuit from the court or yes. the fact that they mm-hmm. sent oh, you yeah. a letter is considered yeah, it no is. no it's a so yeah. it has to be a lawsuit right. from court. so first you'll get a letter right saying we are and look a lot of my clients are, are confused they're like why am i getting a letter from midland funding mm-hmm. saying we're going to sue you who the hell's midland funding yeah. i'm like well read the damn letter it says <laughs> we purchased the debt from wells fargo you owe them eight thousand dollars and now you owe us eight thousand yeah. dollars we purchased it now obviously they bought it for a thousand so, but you still owe them because they purchased the right. So you owe them eight thousand. First, you'll get a letter. You don't respond to it. They'll file a lawsuit, and that's generally when I get the phone calls. It's Sevan. I'm being sued by Midland Funding for money I owe for Capital One. It's been many years. I haven't paid. So, and I tell them, okay, you need to uh, deal with that lawsuit. And these are the same three um, uh, advice I give on the phone. So for the viewers, you know, the, whenever they call me, they're like, oh my god, what do I do? I'm like. Look, there's only three things you can do, okay? Number one is you can do nothing, okay, which is the most easiest option. Don't do nothing. (laughs) They'll get a judgment against you. Oh, great. I am judgment-proof, okay? Meaning I don't have anything. Let them go sue me. Well, I don't think anyone is really judgment-proof. If they get a judgment against you, that judgment is good for 10 years, and it earns 10% interest. A year? A year. Wow. Great investment. Jeez. And, it could invest be, in that? and and it could be renewed <laughs> yeah. for another 10 years. Oh, so 20 years. Now, so I tell my clients, fine, you're judgment-proof now, but don't you want to get a house in the next 20 years or Seriously? go get a car or get something? So, And once you do, guess what? Midland funding will be there nine years from now. Hey, I'm that bastard with that judgment, and now it's earned a lot of interest. You got a house, and I'm going to record that judgment against the house now. So people think I'm judgment-proof now, but just think about in the future. Now, there's ways around it. Obviously, don't get a house in your name. Um, so that's how number about, one. Uh, how about garnishing your wages, though? Right. Isn't that so part of... So they can garnish your wages. Yeah. Um, so they can make your life difficult yeah. if you don't do something. But fine. 
Now, there's rare occasions where I've told people, you don't have to do anything. I had a client who was uh, 68. She was on Social Security. You know, I told her, I said, great, you fall into the rare category of option one. Don't do anything. You know, let them sue you. Let them get them judgment. They can't collect against your Social Security. Mm. You're not working anymore, so screw them. You know, give them a big middle finger and say, good luck. You know? so, but those are rare. Your second option okay, is to try to settle with them. So, and um, there's a lot of great, you know, debt settlement attorneys. My uh, one of my favorite colleagues, uh, Garna Karaji, and uh, she's a terrific bankruptcy attorney, also and a debt settlement attorney. I send her all my debt settlement cases. She's terrific. So you can try to settle the debt. Now, one thing that a lot of people don't know about settling a debt is any amount that's settled for, the IRS considers that a taxable event. You're going to pay tax on it. If if you settle with American Express ten thousand, they say, okay, Arno, we'll take six. That $4,000 difference, the IRS considers that income. 1098, right? 1099, 1099, 1099C, canceled debt. Next year, you're going to get a tax bill um, to pay tax on that $4,000. <laughs> so when people say, okay, great, I settled, I'm like, also factor into account 25% that you're going to pay tax on that. You know, the IRS it's, says it's, that's income. Bankruptcy is the only one where you can discharge a million dollars. You'll pay zero taxes. Nothing at all. So, and but going back to the debt settlement is, I tell them, okay, what if American Express says, okay, we'll take six thousand dollars today. Do you have six thousand dollars today? No. Uh, okay, well then you can't settle. You know, and you you, you know you can't defend the lawsuit. You know, because it'll be a waste of time if you try to defend that lawsuit that they filed. Because what's your answer going to be? You do owe that money. You know, you're going to spend. You're going to waste your time. So. That's how most people get into the third category, which is your only solution is then is a bankruptcy to try to stop the lawsuit and eliminate this debt. So, um, but I will always consider the bankruptcy as a last option. Okay, so I'm like, look, try a debt settlement. You know, try this, try that. You know, maybe we can settle without. But if not, then we'll file the bankruptcy. Then we, then we pull the plug, basically. Right. Then we pull the plug, um, and sometimes I will do a like a like a fake bankruptcy. I'll contact the the attorney for Midland Funding and say, look, you know, I'll, I'll draft like the first couple of pages. I'll say, see, here it is. I'm going to file it and you're going to get zero next week. So why don't you take a thousand dollars, bastard? You know, no, no. Always Everybody's a bastard. Do you use bastard position? in your email? Like, hello, bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you're having a wonderful week. <laughs> have, I, have I said bastard a lot? I apologize. Oh, God. Um, Dear we'll, bastard. We'll, we'll do a bastard count. And <laughs> we'll make it a clip of the week. Oh, jeez. No, no, please. Please don't. I was but, just kidding, man. No, but, but like sometimes I'll do that. You know, I'll, I'll do a bankruptcy bluff, and um, and and they'll take it. They're like, oh yeah, okay, fine. No, don't don't file the BK. We'll accept a thousand dollars. See these debt collectors. They remind me of the story with my cousin, man. I lended somebody money, and I was talking to my cousin about it. He goes, "Well, I know somebody who's a debt collector." I'm like, "What? What do you mean?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, it's this Russian guy." I'm like, <laughs> well, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Basically, he's like, how much did you lend the guy?" I'm like, "I gave him about eight thousand. He goes, "Okay, so what he'll do is he'll pay you five and, and keep then, the three? And no, no, no. He'll pay you five, oh. and he'll be like, "Okay, who's the guy that owes you eight? Oh man! So and he says go he'll go after him. him. I'm like, "What does he do?" He goes, "You don't have to worry about don't it. Don't worry about <laughs> it, man." He's, just, he's like, "You get your five. You get your five. I'm like, "Holy shit!" I'm like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "Like legit?" He goes, "Yeah, he's a legit." That's sixty collector. plus percent. <laughs> That's not bad. Wow. Call Sasha. Eight one eight. Christina has so many questions. Maybe, <coughs> Christina, maybe we give you uh, Sevan's email and oh, she has it. Christina, you can. <laughs> we ask should, we should have. We should do a show with an attorney poll, right? Because <laughs> she has a lot of questions about. Uh, Call me, know, Christina. The trust can have terms and beneficiaries, and right. um, what does Christina practice? 
She does estate, estate? planning and PI. Oh, okay. she's, yeah, she's terrific. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, Seb, is there anything that you have that we haven't covered before we call it a night? Oh, dude, we're two hours in. Two and a half oh, almost. Yeah, two Jeez. and a half almost, yeah. yeah. The time flies when you're having fun, man. Um, do I have anything yeah, any, that, we didn't cover? that we didn't cover? Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot. I mean, uh, I don't know. I can, I can tell a joke. Yeah. But let's break the ice. <laughs> I, think <laughs> I, I think we've broken the ice with our little footsies under the table. He's going to go home and desanitize again. Oh, gosh. I, I got a mic holding on to this cup. He's like, make sure not, it's like the wife says, make sure you do not shake their hands when yeah. you greet them and do not shake their hands when you leave. And the first thing Arnold does is, Come here, I, let me give you a hug. I embraced him. Well, he <laughs> elbowed you, but he shook my hand. Well, no, hold I on. Elbowed he him. elbowed me. I went in for a handshake and a bear hug that I always give him, but yeah, he well, decided to elbow me today. Because when I shook his hand, he said, you know, we're not supposed to shake hands. I, go, oh, I completely no. forgot Bro, about no. it. It's, 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 it's going back to this coronavirus. <laughs> I was, I'm remodeling my house, and the guys that are working there, he goes... Uh, I go, so, you know, what do you guys think of this whole coronavirus? He goes, there's no, no coronavirus, man. He's like, look, there's a porta potty outside. We take shit after shit after <laughs> shit on top of each other. Look, we're all fine. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, that's the best way to basically break the ice with somebody. Look, we're at a construction site. There's a porta potty <laughs> outside with a week's worth of crap in it. And none of the people inside the construction site have coronavirus. Wow. What a way to, uh, to end that note. <laughs> well, it's, a good... it's, it's been a pleasure. I'm, thank you so much for having me. Dude, it was education. Very, very informative. Yeah. I mean, and we had a couple of people saying that it's very informative. Thank you. And this is, again, this is the reason why we bring in professionals. It's not, it's never to, we're not a business promotional show. We don't bring right. to, to, pro, pro, to uh, promote, you know, your law firm or to whoever else, the physicians or whoever comes down here. It's more so about providing information and people getting to ask the questions that typically they don't even sometimes think of or they don't they don't have access to they don't know who to go to to ask these questions that that's the purpose of the wise nuts it's yeah. uh to to make sure we're increasing everybody's IQ by at least half a point every week I mean, yeah we Monday. see it's like we bring in everybody we bring in the professionals the doctors the lawyers uh, the entertainers, everybody. And it was funny. I was talking to my cousin. I said, listen, we're going to... He's like, oh, who's on your show on Monday? I said, it's a BK attorney. He was like, holy shit. He's like, I got to watch that because there's a lot of stuff that I'm interested in uh, as far as with, you know, the whole BK process and stuff. I said, why? He goes, you know, I have a client who might be filing for it and, you know, I could refer him if the guy's, you know, giving some good information. So I, it's it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, People watch, they learn, you get yeah. business, we get viewers. Yeah. It's It's... Yeah, I mean, I love teaching. It's uh, one of my passions. So, thank you everybody for thank the uh, for the uh, wonderful questions, Christina. Thank you for the uh, extensive questions. Which yeah. it seems like she's had a couple of sessions with you. She says, "I I have the answers to the questions." No, but she's, she's it terrific. was more so Christina, for the call viewers. me anytime. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, she's great. Literally, uh, Sevon, thank you again, man. My pleasure. Appreciate you taking <laughs> time. Public, you're like. Hey, I, look at my hands, man. Look at my hands. <laughs> no, we imagine, imagine yeah. after the show. <laughs> you put him on the spot live, you know. Like, oh, gosh, man. <laughs> poor guy. I, I, I'll shake your hand. I, I don't mind. There, see? see, there's see? no virus. Seven, 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 post. Give me one. Oh, God. Give me one, you bastard. <laughs> 
Sevan's, Sevan's post in the morning is gonna be, I'll be out of the office from, from March 16th to April 16th. Oh gosh, man! Hey, man! Thanks so much My for taking pleasure. time out of your Monday to join us, bro. We really, really do appreciate it. Thanks for all the information. Uh, do you want to do a quick plug as far as how people can reach you uh, if they have any questions regarding BK? Because sure. you did mention free consultation. Oh yeah, I mean my consultation. I, I spend thirty, forty minutes on the phone sometimes. So yeah, Sevan Gorginian eight one eight nine two eight four 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 five. You guys can call me anytime. I'm happy yeah. to speak with anybody. Yeah, and we'll do a plug in on the. Uh, on the text feed as Thank well. So all the comments so people yeah. could uh, reach out to you if they have any questions. Uh, other than that, guys, stay safe, stay clean, sanitize, wash your hands. Don't touch each other. <laughs> Make sure you use the toilet paper. Only the- play with yourself. Nobody. <laughs> wow. Oh, gosh. I hope this epidemic stops soon, man. Yeah. Or pandemic. I'm sorry. Epidemic. <laughs> I hope this pandemic ends soon because... Uh, it's it's just becoming too much at this point. Uh, be safe, guys. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys next week. We've got another special guest coming in. Uh, and uh, thanks again, Seth. My Thank pleasure. You, Thank you very much. Thank you. Great having you. Thank you. <laughs>